okay, I'll just, I'll just talk like it's uh, 20 is a special number because it was Aaron Mitchell's number when he played for me at Langara, and it's, uh, I guess that's when I got the visit on the 20th. Well, episode. and I was actually reading, you just broke my intro. This is going to be my intro, man. Are you recording right now? And do, do, you have, like, do you have any questions for me? What year did you get your job at UBC? 2000. 2000. 20. Yeah, last time I took math class, 20 was different than 2000. I, I promised myself coming in here. Yeah. I wasn't going to be myself in cutting. I wasn't not going there. I didn't want to go there. You will save that for you and Gil. He was, he, he was number three or four, I think. I wonder why. The wild coyote went under. The new mid stop. And the arms. Speaker showed 11. And the arms. <laughs> Can't talk about that yet. You know. Corbs, that's another podcast. Okay, are we good? That should be an adult one. Just friend, friends of. I know. We should. The way the way it was and the way it should be. I know. But unfortunately, it's twenty twenty. We good? We could go on like this forever, so we should probably start. Yeah. Alright. Three, two, one. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a Hoops Journey. We are super excited to have, well, how do I put into words the guest that we have today? Um, he's taken a bit of my shine in terms of, you know, when I played for him, the number that I wore is the, equal to the episode number we are about to have today. Um, a man who has been involved in the game of basketball through uh, through British Columbia and Canada, um, given up many, many years to the game. Um, a guy that I had the opportunity to play for at the post-secondary level um, is the all-time winningest coach in Canada West history and has been at UBC, um, Langara College, all over the place. We are super thrilled to have none other than Kevin Hansen. How are you, Kev? I am terrific. Thank you for having <laughs> me on, Aaron. And that number 20, even when you said, how many years have I been at U UBC? It's 20. What was your jersey number at Langara? 20. 20. What episode are we closing in on? 20. That's the last time I'll bring that up. It was just meant to be. It was all meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know, you guys ended up finishing your year this year, and then it, some weird times hit. So, the, you know, kind of the first thing we do is we check in, and, um, you know, obviously your daughter Jess is just finishing her eligibility and, and signed a pro contract to play. And how has COVID life been for you, and what have you and your family done to kind of get through those times? And, you know, even from a coaching and team perspective, what have you done to just check in with your guys and make sure everyone's good? Well, that opens up about a 45-minute discussion, so please feel free to cut me off at any time there, uh, Mitch. Um, the, uh, we were fortunate enough, we were the last sport in Canada to actually complete our national championships, which were held on, I think it ended up on the 8th or the 9th, and then all of a sudden the 12th hit, and everything was shut down. Um, you know, and we had a we had a, a credible first game there at Nationals, and then um, uh, lost a tough one in the semis. To Dalhousie, and then ended up uh, beating Western for the for the bronze medal. And I thought for the season we had, it was an, that was an incredible way. And you know, it certainly gave uh, some closure to the season, um, which was perfect for us. You know, very fortunate and, and uh, that we were one of those sports because there's a lot of people that, that didn't get that opportunity to finish their seasons, and and that's a tough tough way to go for an athlete and for coaches that put your you know your your lives your days everything into into a season. Um, uh, in, in terms of COVID. 
it's been a, a real interesting time, of course, for everybody. And uh, you know, for myself, who, for those that know me closely, uh, know that I am a bit of a germaphobe and have been for most of my life. So I thought it's uh, you know it's, uh, it's 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 a good time for everybody to start understanding, have a little bit more appreciation. No one's been mocking me anymore about how often I wash my hands and how often I wash the glasses around the rims in restaurants and wipe off the knife and fork before I use it. So. Um, you know, it's, it's been interesting it's been times. empowering for you, hey? Uh, you yeah. know what, it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not quite as bad as Howie Mandel, but we're closing in on it. So I have an awful lot more appreciation for for people like myself in this little uh, syndrome that I have. The masks I'm still getting a little used to, and, and we'll see how, you know, as he passes the hand sanitizer across, we're on the radio. And, and there, is no, there is no screen over the mic here, just so you guys know. It's something that I did notice when I first came in. <laughs> But we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. It's another Amazon order. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, crazy, crazy times, obviously. And it's very tough on the athletes. You know, uh, War Memorial opened up. We were able to get in there. Uh, this is our fourth week, actually, uh, with the restrictions of, uh, you know, only a couple guys can touch the basketball and we're doing just straight shooting. Um, best thing is we're not doing behind the back, shuffle, dribble, spin, dribble, between the legs six, seven times, over the head, around the back, fake pass, look the other way, and still take a step back jumper. But are you, do you have the guys holding foam rollers while they dribble with their other hand, or no? Are you Are you there yet? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that one on, uh, on on YouTube yet, so I'm still working my way through it. You know, us, us old folks still take some time to figure out this modern-day technology. So I'm still old school. We're teaching stationary threes. But, you know, the guys are... I think we've taken probably attempted about ten thousand shots in the last month, and it's it's uh, we're, we're, we've got a shooting ladder going on now, uh, which has been really which has been awesome because guys across the country can can compete about it. So we do the ladder, we challenge each other, and they love it, and we're tracking. And then you know, come the season, we can say, hey, you shot seventy or eighty percent from uh, the three without anybody on you in summertime. You know what? Yeah, we're we're going to give you some shots. You know, like Jack Cruz Dumont, he he's just lighting it up right now. Um, shooting the ball at a, at a great percentage and something higher than I thought it was going to be. And uh, you know what? And now I'm inclined as a coach to give him a little bit more opportunities and games to take those shots. Um, and there's certain guys I'm going to put my arm around once, you know, you can get in that social distancing bubble and, uh, and point out that, you know, you shot 30% when there was nobody on you. So how do you think you're going to shoot when someone's near you? And, uh, but it's been awesome. It's, it's been good to get the guys in. I mean, they really miss it. You know, you have to sit there and you're almost policing it all the time. Guys, hey, I, I know you miss each other, but the hugs and the high fives and all that stuff, you, uh, you know, the generations, some generations aren't ca aren't catching this whole, uh, the whole vibe and what we're supposed to be doing. And so that'll be a challenge, I think, for everybody. And once schools opens up, well, we'll see. I mean, we had another uh, increase in uh, in positive cases yesterday. So, but it's been, it's been a time. And, you know, through uh, Zoom as well, I, I, you know, the world has caught on to Zoom and the, sort of the those types of meetings, you know, and you almost have, I mean, there's going to be another, some sort of phobia coming out about Zoom phobia. Um, you know, the amount of Zoom calls we have as a department, as a coaching staff, uh, even with our players. And they were great initially with the players. And, uh, but it's still the face-to-face, -face, the person-to-person -person contact is very, very important. And I think as coaches, that's what you love to do, that interaction with the guys, you know, and you, and you, you know, the, 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 the mocking, you know, we came first thing this morning, what did we do? As soon as we saw each other, we started joking about each other and chirping and you started chirping me down like you'd never seen me before. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Remember when we said we could edit parts out, Corpse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think that, you know, it's been interesting um, just thinking of all the people that I know in my life and then the people that we've talked with 
you've just got to find ways to be creative, right? And you realize that all the people that we've spoken with, including yourself, have got to a certain level, um, no matter whether it's in basketball or in business or life, because they are creative and they find ways to make things work and they adapt to the surroundings that happen, right? And I think, you know, a lot of people could have and have taken this and and not done well with it. And other people have just found a way to say, okay, this is what it is. How do we make it the best that we can and some unique things right there, right? Like getting guys to track shots that you normally wouldn't, right? You would be doing open gyms and some training, but now it's like, Hey, show us what the work that you're putting in. So it, it, it it's tough because as a player, you compete in sport because you, you, you know, you want to win games, the competitive nature, you want to compete. I want to play against you. I want to see what, what I can do against you, challenge myself. And in these times, you know, now that they're forced to not be able to play against each other, what are you going to do? So the com- competition still is there of, how many shots can I make versus you? And and we're looking at it. So the guys that are in Quebec and Ontario that are on our team, you know, they're they're shooting and they're shooting an outdoor hoop, so their percentages are a little bit lower. But you know, at least I know they're being honest, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or I think sure. so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, you you have to be creative, and and I, I think you know a couple of the guys made made conversation about uh, you know normally you'd be there and you'd be we'd come into the gym twice a week and this time of the year and be playing five on five and honestly, how many touches are you getting? How many shots are you getting? And then how many times are you fighting about the rules? Well, there's no rules. They're not fighting when they're taking shots and counting for each other. Um, so I, I think it's 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 been tougher as student athlete, absolutely. And just the unknown. Yeah. You know, you, you, every season you begin thinking about the end. Well, right now, what is the end? October eighth is the deadline for us to find out whether we're going to have a season, second semester, or not. U Sports coming down with a decision, um, and what that's going to look like. The modified schedules. We don't have a modified schedule even in place if it does come around. Mm-hmm. You know, our our kids losing eligibility. Um, lots of questions, lots of unknowns, as there is in every aspect of life. But uh, I, I think it's tough, and no excuse not to get straight A's this year. Hey, Mitch. Absolutely right. Well, you know. Sorry, we weren't going to go back to those school days, over but, everything, uh, right? Yeah, school over everything. Oh, we can talk about that. That's all good. I, I did want to bring up nothing one thing to, at some point to today in this conversation. Uh, just uh, you know, getting three credits for building igloos. You know, I know the importance of it in in, in <laughs> one the, part of the world, but in Vancouver, it's it's. I, I've, I've put the application into UBC to try to see if we can get that happening, but it's actually called a quimsy. And um, sorry, I've got, I, I didn't get three credits for that in my I, program, so I didn't know that. I, you've educated me today already. Yeah, it's I mean, awesome. I miss you and I love you, man. That's that's great. This coming from, from my basketball softball teacher. Um, you still failed me on that test, though. Like the no, no, no. You the Red yourself. Sox, the Red Sox starting lineup. You had to, you had to, like that. You gave you the stats on per base, like percentage, home runs, everything, right? And like where, and you had to do the the lineup. Yeah, so you had to put no. You put the batting order together, right? And. Mitch just heard, you know, through the the past exams, you know, back in the day when you just white out the date, <laughs> teachers would white it out and, you know, retype it in there and send it out again. So he thought he was going to outthink me. Well, we changed the year. So he had memorized the year prior to that. <laughs> so he, I had to give him zero and he couldn't understand <laughs> that, despite the fact he was babysitting my kid at the time. It's true. It is true. Jess, you're welcome for the jump shot. <laughs> I know your parents didn't teach you anything. So um. as long as she doesn't wear number 20 when she's over in Ireland, I'll, I'll feel <laughs> 11, baby. <laughs> That's right. what it is. That's you what know. it is. Yeah. Good memory. It's helped me a lot on a few roulette tables over the life. Um, but anyways, that's a whole other story <laughs> as well. 
Um, all right, well, let's jump right into it. Thanks for being with us. I'm excited about this one. You know, you've obviously been a huge mentor for me um, in my life and, you know, kind of you changed me in my thinking in terms of making school a priority. Um, you changed me as a basketball player and then you challenged me as a person, which I always appreciated. Um, you know, you never were someone who... who uh, you weren't one to baby the guys, which I've always valued. And so I've always valued you in my life. And I think you know that. Um, so I'm super thrilled to have you on. But let's just go back to little young Kevy Hansen here. Um, and uh, let's just talk about what was life like for you as a young guy? And what sports were you involved in? And, and how did basketball sort of start to gravitate towards you? Like, were you a multi-sport guy? Did you just get into basketball right away? Um, and let's just talk about, about that and then move into uh, your life at Siakwam. Sure. It's, uh, it, it's not an exciting start to the basketball career, but uh, uh, I am excited to when we get to the point in the podcast where we do talk about our recruiting, our first recruiting efforts to get you to Langara. And, Stay and, focused, uh, man. Stay focused. I, I hope you can remember those kind things you said about uh, our relationship and uh, what happened there, um, because it didn't start off quite that way, my friend. But uh, no, born in uh, born in Regina, as a matter of fact, and love the Prairie people and very kind people. I'm glad I'm out of uh, there. But uh, uh, the, the, probably the most interesting story, and it just shows. It, it shows that uh, people take things, what coaches say, literally, whether it's positive, negative, or you're trying to read between the lines. And sometimes we think it's, it's solidified in our mind. And even in teachers in the classroom, you say something, uh, t- kids take it verbatim. And it was grade four. We were playing in uh, uh, Regina, my first intramurals with basketball. And the school went to grade seven. So a grade seven guy was coaching us. And he was just yelling at us. We were playing. You going? It was just games in the morning. So it's snowy, blizzard. You know, back to the day. So you know, bundled up. You can only see through your eyes, and it's minus four. I didn't have to walk uphill, but I did have to walk a mile to school in the snow drifts, four foot <laughs> snow drifts. But um, I remember, you know, walking past the five outdoor rinks that we had, and that was awesome. Playing hockey, my body was probably better designed to play hockey, but I wanted to try to try this game of basketball. And uh, so I was out there on defense and, you know, we're playing and the coach is just screaming at us. He can't stand in the key for three seconds. What are you doing? What, like, three seconds in the key? So we're going, okay. Well, me, I literally took it that, hey, there's two keys and there's three seconds at, on offense and there's three seconds on the defensive end. So I wasn't a very good defensive player to start because I thought he could only stay in the key for three seconds playing defense. I didn't understand it. So, so I, I, I was getting lit up, I remember, as a grade four, and I got yelled at because I was not guarding my guy. And I said, you, Coach, you, you said you couldn't stay in there for three seconds. And then he snapped on me, and that was the last time I went. <laughs> Till grade eight. <laughs> uh, jumping through, just cut me off any time and ask questions oh, no. here because it's... Uh, I was just going to say that says a lot about, you know, we focus a lot on offense at Langara too, so... It, it's it's quite terrible if you, it's not yeah. terrible if you look back at the stats of my teams from Langara to UBC, uh, we're number one or two majority of the seasons, uh, quite significantly high, which is outstanding. The defensive side, you know, that still needs a little work, and uh, I'm something that's a work in progress. Uh, but I think it, there's I think there's a wound in the back of my head from this grade seven, 12 year old yelling at me as a grade four about three seconds in the key, and so maybe I'm still go scared to go in. Yeah. I can't demonstrate because it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Shoot it before you turn it over. <laughs> yeah. hey, and shoot yeah. it before you turn it over. Hey, and where's the NBA going now? Shoot, shoot it before, before you, you turn, turn it, it over. First six seconds. Um, Ahead of your time, man. Oh, you know, jumping, jumping conversations a bit. We had uh, on, on a Zoom call with the team. We had Jade Triano on. I was watching a bunch of the NBA uh, 
um, programming and a bunch of uh, European uh, uh, coaching clinics that have been going on. And Jay's presentation was awesome, talking about the analytics and how that's changed the game in the first six seconds. And I, I divide it by the eight seconds. So in the 24-second shot clock, there's eight, three different eight-second sections. And he says the six seconds, and that's where you get your manpower advantages. And I'm watching, I'm watching them play right now, and that's exactly what they're doing. These teams are coming down. Now, it's not a brand of basketball necessarily that coaches like you know, or that yeah. we grew up with. So it's, yeah. it's such a change, and if you're going to play that way. But uh, we can come back to that later on after we talk about your recruiting visit and our relationship. But <laughs> so after that, moved to uh, moved to Kelowna actually. Yeah, and uh, started playing. Um, it, I never realized you were in Regina that long. Like I didn't know you were there that for that like period of time. Yeah, so, yeah. and then grade five moved to Kelowna. Yeah. Um, my dad was a banker, and so we got moved quite often. And and uh, we ended up grade eight moving to Siakum, and it was the first year Siakum was built, was opened up. It was the first grad class to go through, 8 through 12, which was kind of a oh, no way. thing. We had lots of young teachers, and I know we're going to touch a little bit about Bill Stebbings, uh, my, the senior high school coach who played a big big impact in my life, obviously, as, as high school teachers and coaches, coaches do. Mm-hmm. Um, got into it because it was a social social thing. You know, you were able to go. You, you got to go on bus trips with uh, with other teams, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was, it was kind of unique, and, and just sort of fell in love with it. And like I said, the the my my first that really opened up a lot of things. In grade ten, moved up to the senior team, and I, I had some. You know, Sig Kuhn was a it was a big part of uh, my development in grade nine. He's the first he really believed in me and got me into the gym. And then grade ten, moved up to the senior team, um, and, and and met a bunch of great guys, and certainly learned the social side of being on teams a little earlier than, than most, I guess, and some, and, uh, but just a, just a great experience with, with the basketball side of things. And then in grade 11, the first coaching gig I got was, was Don Berger. Um, you probably know Mitch Berger, uh, his, his father, his father's at North Delta and started a mini basketball program. One of the first guys to start that. And I remember he built out of wood, out of his own hands, he built these backboards. And so prior to the kids coming in, we'd have to climb up on the old standards, no harm, like before work safety stuff really came in. <laughs> Put these backboards in there, and they're tied together by ropes. Uh, good thing the kids couldn't jump or dunk because those things weren't real solid up there. And I, I wasn't familiar with the, you know, I didn't go to Boy Scouts, so I didn't know the different types of knots. <laughs> yeah. But we put these backboards up there, and the kids played. And, and it was awesome. Yeah, the, the grade 12s from the, stu- from the school would be the head coaches. That's in grade 11 were the assistant coaches. And then the following year, we were to take over as a head coach and bring up another grade 11. So coaching development, he was, he was way ahead of his time. Um, you know, recently passed away, which was sad. And, um, but he, he played a big factor. We were never really that close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siakam was built as an overload school for North Delta. Um, so a bit of rivals. But then he actually asked people in the community to come in and coach. So it, it, I thought that was an outstanding thing. It hasn't really been done uh, since. Uh, in terms of that type of development, but it, it, it was great, and and the kids and relationships, and every uh, Sunday morning go in there and play a little bit of hoops and get kids turned onto the game. So that was special. That's cool. Like, uh, you know, we've interviewed a lot of coaches, and obviously know a lot of coaches and things, and just to hear that it was already kind of on your radar, just sort of coming out of you naturally at, at a young age. So was maybe you're already consciously thinking about that. Maybe not in terms of you know, where you are today, but knowing that you're enjoying being involved and, and coaching the game, which is interesting to hear. And also the social side of, of basketball, I think that's 
also very good point because it like instantly gives you 10 to 12 people that you're comfortable with, right? And and transitioning to high school can be awkward and tough for some people, right? So when you get involved in whether it be a team or a club or something, you just instantly feel comfortable, right? And then another thing is so many people have mentioned we had a bunch of guys or girls that ground us that were like-minded and they love the game. And so we all kind of were in the gym and we grew together. So it's interesting that a lot of the successful groups and teams and people that we've talked to all had a group around them as well that were, you know, like-minded. It's a, that's a fantastic point. Um, you know, it, it was tough. It was a challenge moving every two and a half years, different schools. You know, people thought here, here comes in the new kid. Well, what's wrong with this guy? How come he's moving in? And everyone's got their little bubbles, you know, their, their own little cliques that they're in. Um, and through sport, and I was exactly in grade eight. So I went to the school, Siakam. So it had two, at that time, two feeder schools coming into Heath Elementary and Sunshine Hills Elementary, and they fed in. So you had your Heath Elementary kids that were more the North Delta side of the ravine. Yeah. So they, they were coming in. They were all together and friends, and they, they, you know, they had their groups and cliques already. And then Sunshine Hills had the same thing. And then there was a group of us that came in for the – it was a new development at the time. And so we were the outcasts, everyone thought, from – you know, the two schools, they thought we were the outcasts from the other schools. Right. So it was tough to make friends. But so, so what did what did we need? We needed something. I mean, I, I love people. I love being around people. And uh, that was the easiest thing to do. And back in those days, of course, it was the soccer team, was the basketball team, was the track yeah. team, yeah. you know, go down the list of things. And, and, and it's really interesting. I still get someone reached out to me a couple of days ago and asked, you know, at what point, what stage should my son start? just focusing on basketball, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just as you know, you, you, you throw that out on social media and there's a, there's all kinds of different arguments and, hey, come come work with me and I'll, I'll get you, I'll get you to the league. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're, they're not looking at body types. You're not looking at certain things. You're not doing biopsy, muscle biopsy to figure out how, you know, fast twitch, slow twitch muscle fibers or. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I, I so I'm still a, a very big advocate of multi-sport uh, until a certain age. What that certain age is, I think, develop is dependent on you know some physiological things, growth spurts, but also the social maturational level of the uh, of the person at the time. Yeah, no, for sure, it, it, and it's definitely a you know you, we're all smirking as you bring that up because it's just a controversial topic, right? And it's like everybody wants to you know pursue and push on and get to the next level, but. And I know we don't want to sound like the old guys or whatever, and everything needs to change and we need to update ourselves. But there is something to be said for, you know, learning how to skate or playing baseball where you got to think ahead or trying a different game that teaches you a different skill that you can apply to basketball if that's what you choose to to move forward with, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And I I think there's... You know, now especially in COVID time, COVID's learning a lot. I, I love analyzing this stuff. I and mean, you go, you go walk through the grocery store. Not that I walk through there very often. You know, just now that McDonald's has the you know dial up, you can just cut <laughs> delivery. That's just outstanding adjustment. But you know, you walk through the malls, and the arrows are pointing one way. And how many times you walk through, and there's somebody going coming this way at you, and you just go, hey, buddy. Yeah. You know, so, and, and then you turn the corner, wham, someone's right in your face. And you go, the spatial awareness, yeah. different things, you, you know, and it's, I think all these different types, I've been a big advocate for years and years talking about the impact of just playing tag outside. Mm. Kick the can, hide and go seek. You know, where I've got to hide, I've got to read not only what you were doing, I'm trying to get these other guys caught before I go. So my strategy of when I go, you know, kids don't even probably, some of the people may not even know what hide and go seek is. I'm going to say, do you want to? come over and hang out with Eli, all he wants to do is run and play tag. Like, 
I'm like exhausted. I trip to the park and I'm like so out of breath because all he wants to do is play. And now he's fast enough where like I used to be able to kind of half walk and get him. Now I actually got to crank it up. I'm like, damn, kid. I'm going to say 90% of the time you're starting the tag game. Oh, 100%. He learned it from somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tag and then I run away. And I know. And, and the thing, one of the things I love about you, and there's a lot of them, but that is your is your creativity in the classroom, you know, on the court just in life in general about how to make something out of nothing, how to be creative. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure you're just an awesome father with Eli just because you can do those things and make it entertaining, make it exciting. And, you know, and I can't wait to see Eli's tummy roll at some point. You know, I know that's going to be a, uh, a stupid human trick that we're going to see at some point out of, out of your son. It's just, uh, you know. Shout out Dolphin Park circa 97, 2002-ish. Yeah, the, the belly roll and... Also, the wild coyote. I was going to say it was yeah, a, you, a phase you, of yours, but it's, yeah. it's 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 no, it's gone. It's retired. It's too big now. I can't pull that thing out. <laughs> yeah, I'm a teacher. Like that's someone's going to catch it on. Yeah, it's just not good. It's not a good look. I <laughs> know. Uh, it's uh, you know I've got fond memories of, uh, of of a lot of things, and that certainly is one of them. And uh, we won't get into your your uh, your dance move when you broke your foot either at the national yeah. championships. But we, uh, yeah, that's we can get into that later. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was playing on a stress fracture and sacrificing my life for the Langara College Athletics. But hey, yeah, I still broke it at the dance. But that's cool. It was after the tournament was over. Um, now let's let's take some time and just talk about you know Coach Stebbings. I know I know his passing was very tough for you, and you being a coach and you know having I know that I know there's a few mentors along your way that helped you, um, and he was a huge part of your life. And I didn't know much about him personally. You know, obviously we played against his teams when he coached his son at North Delta. But uh, I went for a walk with Donnie Van Oss a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned a couple of things about how they always made sure they ke- scheduled his teams because they could go to the pub after and have a good laugh and talk. And he was just a social guy um, and loved the game and loved coaching. And so just, you know, I, I think it's important that you touch a little bit of, on his legacy and what he meant to you as a person. And I'm sure he was a big factor in you moving on coaching wise as well and you took a lot away from him so you know he's a legend in bc and i and i think maybe there's only pockets of people who know about him um but i think you know for those that don't know anything about him share some stories or your thoughts on what he meant to you in in your life it it was a it was a you know when you're 13 to 18 years old that's a big impressionable stage of your life as we all know and to go through in the trials and tribulations and relationships and um, I, th- I thought the phys ed teachers were the coolest group of guys around and they had just the best jobs. Um, still true to this day. It's, it's funny you say that because a lot of the memories are of the phys ed teachers just sitting in their office talking to students. <laughs> so not much has changed, but, uh, you know, so, so after, uh, you know, in grade eight and you know, and then he, he started talking to me about sports and basketball. And at that time, you know, the big thing in Saskatchewan was also you played hockey, which we did and on the outdoor rinks and then, uh, and you're in music cause it was too cold to go outside. If you weren't playing hockey, you need to do something when you're inside. So, so it was music. So I came out here and a band teacher wanted me to stay cause I was so far ahead of everybody. And, and then by grade nine, that decision had to go one way or the other. And that's the first time you had to tell a, tell someone, yeah, I'm going to go into basketball. Like the band just not cutting it. And, and I, cause they had me up playing with the, the senior band and, and, uh, the prep band and whatnot. And, 
you know, those guys are going out smoking darts afterwards. I'm grade eight going like, from Saskatchewan going, well, what's this all about? <laughs> and uh, smoking darts. Smoke was, pit? Yeah, it was just, you know, they, there was a, they'd take a band break and all of a sudden they'd all go outside, including the teacher, and go have a dart outside. And I'm sitting there by myself as a, as a 13-year-old going, nah, I didn't bring my pack of smokes. <laughs> I'm not sure I really like this. And anyway, so... Um, but, but I remember after school, just going in talking about Bill, and, he, you know, I, I idolized him. There were jocks, had good stories. They had fun, just a zest for life, you know, really the true. You're not, you're not a teacher. You're, not, you're in phys ed because you like people and you like the age group. And, um, I mean, I remember him talking to me about girlfriends and, you know, if, I, if, I, if he heard a rumor that I had, had said something mean or something to, to my girlfriend at the time or something, and, man, he sat me down and gave me a talking to like no before. And I, I thought just that relationship, things that you – they can say that other teachers may not be able to say just because they know you more in the social side of things and, and you're traveling with the girls team. And so, you know, there's a lot of things you've got to be careful about. But you know, them taking us on road trips, you know, sacrificing, you've done it. You, coaches, we, we go and they're 100% responsible for us 100% of the time when you're on those road trips. And like, like he organizes schedules and it's something that I do to this day of with the people and coaches that you really like and want to go have a steak and a glass of wine with. You know, then that part of that is, why would you want to go travel, spend, you know, 18,000 bucks on a trip to another province and play someone that you don't necessarily get along with? And, you know, all that part of it, developing your team certainly is there. But that social side, side is still with me. I love people. I love coaches. I, and to this day, uh, not to this day, but I'm still, uh, every Friday, I'm talking to Mike, uh, Mike Connolly, a good friend of mine who's coaching at Grant McCune. And we just Zoom for an hour and a half and, and uh, have our happy hour and just catch up on the rumors and stuff. And it's it's really neat. But back to Bill, um, that was a tough one. Yeah, he, he uh, you know, he saw something in me, took the chance in me as a grade 10. Uh, loved playing for him, just lots of good stories. And I remember took, uh, they created a, a, a CR12 class. And, and it was just like, we, we get to go camping. Well, so that was my first, you know, we didn't go and we didn't make igloos or whatever you called yeah. it. Glimsies, glimsies. glimsies. I'll never yeah. be able to call it that. Yeah. Even though I'm from Saskatchewan, they're still called igloos to me. Yeah, but the worst weekend of my life. We had cross-country ski in like minus 40 and build igloos. It was awful. I, I, think, you, I think you wrote me about that one. Yeah. 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 A, a few times. Three credits. But uh, Bill was a baseball coach. You know, he did a lot in the community. Um it was the first year-end parties that we did were at his house in his backyard. He had a bas basketball court in his backyard. I remember that stuff. And we played the Vancouver Police and uh, Harlem Clowns at the time. And uh, a lot of special memories and, and, and great times with, with him. And, uh, you know, and, then, and then you go on. And as you know, it's, it's, you have build those relationships with the kids when they're in high school. And then, then they go their own lives, right? They go their paths and their careers. And as a teacher, you know, the next crop comes in. And so you have another set of relationships, but you really miss those kids. And when you get a text message back or you see them somewhere on the streets and they say, hello, that goes so far. To me, it means, uh, means a lot. And, um, you know, and I, in reflection, I should have done it a lot more. I should have, you know, I, I still regret that I didn't go back and go to more high school games once I was done, go back and say hi to Bill. And, you know, you learn a lot more in the stories afterwards about their post game. You know, Bob Stebbings was a coach. His brother was coach at South Delta. We played them six times our grade 12 year. And I remember his mom came down from the stands, would watch these games. And we didn't know, like, you know, we, here it is. It's a rival to us, but they're brothers. And they'd still get together and go out and you just see, wow, there's, it's, it's weird to be brothers, but you can still have a relationship with coaches afterwards. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with you that 
he was sort of a, he did so much, but he wasn't, uh, he was more of a silent leader within the community and, and not, you know, wasn't out there coaching provincial basketball teams and on all those committees um, because he was coaching basketball. He was coaching another sport, which was outstanding. And so it was a very unique relationship. Uh, you know, so we, we didn't see a lot of each other right after when I got into the coaching mode. Uh, um, but then just the last last 10 years in particular, maybe 15 once once he retired, uh, him and the, the Siakam boys and the Delta coaching, a bunch of the coaches from them, he has his little entourage of, of guys, and, and they're just great people, and his brother, they'd come and watch our games, and then the best thing was after the games, you know, they'd come in, they'd, we'd give a wave to each other, I'm down on the floor, give them a wave, it was always nice knowing they're there, knowing that they are just grilling and, and just watching my every move, my every word, <laughs> questioning every thought I had and every decision I made. And we'd go to Mahoney's <laughs> afterwards, and uh, it, it was just straight shop talk for about half hour, 45 minutes about this decision. And then they got into refereeing, some of them got into officiating and and so they tell their stories, and then it's about this call, and they talk about the officials. And it was just fun to see that the game still, you know, at their retired age, they were still talking about the game within the game and the games within the games, and then the stories come up. And that camaraderie was just so special. So it was uh, it was real tough when he passed, and, you know, obviously too young too young to go, in my opinion, and uh, for what he did. And, and I certainly owe a lot to my career mm-hmm. and life to him. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's, it's cool. It's, you know, makes me think too. And I, I personally am notorious for during season, you know, sometimes I just want to like, just rush out of the gym and just be done. Right. And I think people like him and hearing those stories and things like COVID have just made me appreciate or learn to be better to appreciate the moments and that like, yeah, we just competed, but Hey, let's, let's go for a beer and have a chat after the game and just appreciate what's there. Cause time goes by so fast. Like you've been coaching for so long. It's probably such a blur the amount of people that have come in and out of your life to just take those opportunities. Right. And, and for me, one of the special things is like Corbin is a grad of 2012. Like they, those guys have a WhatsApp group chat and I'm on it. Right. Like I'm on it. And then sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, okay, I'm, like the 42 year old mentor coach, what did I just type here? Right. And like sometimes, but it's like, that's so special to me. And I don't know if they really know how much I appreciate them. Even just like, Hey, let coach, let's, uh, let's get together and we'll go for dinner. Like we've, you know, pre COVID trying to plan something like that. And just those moments where, you know, the kids reach out. And then like you say, because they do drift off after high school and it, you're exactly right. The cycle continues, but um, it's not a couple of real good points there. You know, I, you know, sometimes it's, uh, I've been one as a coach, you know, you show a lot of tough love because, uh, you know, we, we've won the national championship together, you and I, and, and uh, you know, you know what it takes and, and to get to there. And sometimes now with the, with the world changing, what you can say, what you can't say um, has really changed. And was it appropriate back then? Well, at the time, you know, it wasn't deemed as a bad thing or something to say or do or react. And, um, you know, but, but times are really dictating what we do. And you have those rivalries, you know, and, and I, you and I may not know each other, but we play a game against each other and I, I despise you. Oh, I hate you, despise you. And you talk a little trash during the game. And I still preach that when I played, I never started an argument, but I certainly wanted to end it and, and had something to say during it. And then <laughs> other people's opinions are slightly different than that. <laughs> but I, 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 I love the fact, like even when you're coaches, you know, I, there was one... Um, uh, I won't mention his name. There was a coach that was really shocked and surprised uh, that we brought out Peter Campbell, a good friend of mine, coached at Laurier. And, uh, you know, we went to, we went to his place and uh, 
we hammered him by 30 in his tournament. And, and he, there's a group of guys, he, uh, Peter Campbell, John Dorber, the two guys that really welcomed me into youth sport and were the mentors, right? From the social side of things in particular, meeting, greeting people, really teaching me. And they were probably about the age that I am now when I first started. And, you know, t- really taught me about, you know, as mentors, they taught me about, Kev, like, like, what are you getting so wound up about? You know, like, no, the person's not like that. You see them in one light. You see them in a competitive situation. And sometimes competition brings out the worst in us. Sometimes it brings out the best in us. Um, and, and But we do take it personally. And just really learning from them that, that you know, that not, that's not a bad kid on the other team. You know, like, you know, it's the kids talking trash. And kids, I mean, if you've coached the game, you know, kids have said something to you at some point and, you know, to hold back. And, and I'm not one to sit there and just sort of take that. And you need to, but sometimes officials don't hear those things. And you got to help them out a little bit. And, uh, but, but so we went to, went to play against Peter Campbell and Laurie in their turn, preseason tournament in October. We dropped them by 30. And then, so we had a reciprocal. We'd come out to, we'd go to their tournament. He'd come out to ours. And we, we always have a coach's social uh, it was at Mahoney and Sons at the time. So we'd have a coach's social and, uh, one of the other coaches said, well, and then Peter Campbell came out here and they drubbed us by 30 on our court. And, you know, funny how that works. Right. And I remember when we were at their place, he invited us out for dinner and I, and at first I kind of, it was kind of weird, you know, drubbed you by 30 and you're, and we're going to go to your place and have a barbecue. Yeah. You know, barbecue and a few bottles of wine. And, and, and that was outstanding. But that was a lot of fun. I went, okay. okay. And we talked a little bit about the game. And they just said, Kev, it's not personal. It's just basketball. It's just, it's just a game. It's our livelihoods, mm-hmm. but it's just a game. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to really grasp. Mm-hmm. And, and then it came out here. They drubbed us. And then we went together. And, the, and the, one of the other coaches uh, said, you're, you're really coming out? I go, yeah, yeah. He's a friend of mine. You know, we just lost by 30. Yeah. Do I feel terrible, horrible? Yeah. It's, I'm ready to go watch video. I'm ready to go snap on somebody. But went out and we talked about it. We joked about it, you know, and you, you jab each other a little bit. You're, you're, you're going to lose games. You're going to win games. And if you can sit there and accept, uh, you know, you learn from your losses and, and you, you try to continue to grow. But um, having mentors like that and, and now reflecting my age, looking back and going, gee, I wish I had done more you know, gone back and supported Siakam a little bit more and, and gone out and just talked to Bill. And you, you, but I still, you graduate and you think there's still the, the teachers are, you know, I, I, I was brought up to, you know, th- those are significant layer of people. They're above my layer. They, they, and then all of a sudden the ages, you know, go up and it, uh, interesting times, but I certainly, I think as I get older now, I appreciate, appreciate the relationships a lot more. Um, you know, there's so much rumor speculation and you're always going to have haters no matter what you do in life. And it's how you deal with those haters and, um, you know, your bubble, your circle of friends, you know, nowadays it just seems one word can be the difference in a political belief of how it's interpreted. Um, it's you've got to be so sensitive and as coaches and educators we've got to be careful with what we do and say make it an inclusive opportunities for for the student athletes and and uh but i still want uh you know i, I still want friendships with the players that played for me despite them being hard on you it's not i don't like you i recruited you yeah. you know and so it's, it's we want to have these relationships coaches don't want to dislike people you're coaching because you like people and some players and parents uh have have don't quite understand those things and opportunities of course, as you know, are different for different people and different athletic abilities. Mm-hmm. And when you're paid to win basketball games, sometimes uh, those <laughs> things happen. But yeah. the relationships are great, and, and uh, you know, I, I cherish the relationship that we've got as as past player. And as I look at your leg, and you're, I guess that bad to say on the radio, but I'm looking at the tatty on your leg. Uh, yeah, 
uh, very proud moment for us. Yeah, you bet. In our relationship. Thanks for sharing all that. And I think it's so to like when I first got to STM and started coaching, I was so full of like piss and vinegar and I was like, we're going to win every game and we're going to do this. And then it was just like, what am I doing? Like, and then, and then just realizing as a coach, having the opportunity to win a provincial championship, which isn't like, it's whatever, but just realizing that there's, you've been around the game so long. It's like so many things are out of our control. Like so many things have to fall in line to get to any level to win a U19 championship to win a college champion, to win a U sport, to win a high school. Like there's just so many things that have to go. And so if we spend our lives just being caught up in all those moments and like being bitter that other people are getting there and we're not, it's like, that's a tough way to go. Right. And it's, it's also cool to hear that even at your age and your stage of your career, not that you're old, but you've been coaching a long time and you're still trying to grow and learn and, and you're trying to change and let things go in a certain way or be different. And you don't have this fixed mindset. Like I think growth mindset is a huge, like common term these days, but it's so vital for young people to to understand what it is and to continue that through life that if you continue to grow and learn and you know you're you're there's no way if I went to a practice or a game of yours you're still coaching so there's some elements probably but you're not coaching the way you were in 98 right and if you were that probably wouldn't be good right so <laughs> you know I had some some really good stuff there and good takeaways so thanks for sharing all that um did I steal your question oh yeah Corb's always asked a question at the end and it's like Will will we steal his question within just the conversation, right? You know, he, so if you see him go like this, it's like because that we just answered his question. So, at what point um, did you realize that post secondary basketball was going to be for you, and when did you start to get recruited? What did it even look like in those days? Was it just did you just show up? And then obviously, there's a gentleman by the name of Dunk McCallum. I I don't know those days. I know you, you weren't wearing those Chuck, days. You weren't wearing Chuck Taylors and leather days. belts, and people weren't smoking in the arena. I know, I know. I just mean. It's obviously a way different process. You've touched on it a little bit already. Like, you know, the YouTube, for me too, like those things didn't exist. Like you wrote a letter to a, you, you filled out the same like formula letter and mailed it to the coach that you're interested in. You hope that someone came and watched you. Like it just. I, well, I was, I was hoping you were going to write me one of those letters and that never came. But <laughs> we'll get there. We'll, okay, we'll get, get there. there. It's okay. a funny okay. story. We will okay. not pass on that story. It's too good to be true. Um, we'll, be, oh, we'll get true. both of our, we'll be, get true. both of our interpretations <laughs> of it too, because it extends a little bit. But when did you want, like, you know, you mentioned that you probably had the, the body for hockey and that would have maybe gone further. But you, I mean, you're a humble guy. You ended up carving out a pretty decent career basketball wise like captain uh you know ubc made a national final you played at langara when did you in high school realize like okay this is what i want to pursue or did it kind of just sort of naturally morph into itself it, it's funny the, the basketball my basketball life really just just happened it just it just was the way that and it unraveled it was obviously destined to be what i was it was what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so that 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 first stint of coaching in grade eleven uh, got me kind of hooked on it. I kind of enjoyed it. it you know, it, it served its purpose of got me excited. Grade twelve, they actually offered me. We were hurting for coaches, and uh, they actually asked me to be the grade eight boys volleyball coach. Yes. My coaching career didn't go very far with volleyball. <laughs> but back at the time, you know, these new rules were coming in and, and adjusting to the time. So you, you weren't allowed to cut kids. Okay. So 32 kids show up to play volleyball. For grade eight, they're all. For grade eight. eight. Yeah. I'm grade 12. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I haven't coached. Don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I've been one, one, one summer as an assistant coach for basketball, a mini basketball. That's five teams worth. 
<laughs> Six and we're allowed to cut them. So, so me being a kid, what do you do? Well, you start the kids you think are the strongest, the best kids. Well, guess what happened? After six rotations, those kids never got back into the match. <laughs> so, so done. I'm sitting there going, so it didn't take me long to figure out, yeah, this ain't working out. And then so you go. But I, but I learned early. Okay, let's have a, we're going to have a 5 a.m. practice. What? That 12 or 15 kids didn't show up. Yeah. They got, got, so I had to make some decisions early there. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I wasn't, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, you don't even, didn't have YouTube to look up volleyball drills or anything. So I just used what I, and I'd been playing. And uh, so, so some funny stories, but uh, not one of those kids has ever reached out to me and they probably don't have a clue who I am. <laughs> so, so we weren't into building relationships that just yet. Yeah. I was scared to death, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were grade eights. I was grade 12. 12. I, was a, I was a big guy on big guy at, at school, but yeah. um, you know, grade 12, they, they probably thought it was kind of cool being there, but I'm, in hindsight, I'm going, there wasn't a parent or teacher that would take on, and they trusted me. And I remember I drove five kids in my dad's big Prezian to, to North Delta to play a game. Oh, I got called into the principal's office. I thought he was going to congratulate me because we won it. I just got blasted for, hey, you don't have insurance. You can't be driving kids. And my first, my, my, that was my first experience of administrative appropriateness, we will call it, that I had to learn. And, but nobody had told me that, you know, but now, yeah, I can completely see that. But, uh, you know, if you wanted to get your, your kids to go play, that's what you had to do back then. Yeah. And then, uh, I remember I was recruited to go to UBC. Peter Mullins, uh, Bob Malinsky was actually taking taking over the reins. Uh, uh, Peter Mullins was just stepping down as the coach. He'd been there uh, for quite a few years. They took me to, with Kevin Reimer and a few of us that were graduating that year, the top sort of four or five, five guys, and took us to the faculty club. And we sat there. Within three minutes, Peter Mullins says, okay, so, Kevin, what did you get in French? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it didn't go real well. So, say dommage. So it, it, it was. It was you just. Know what that means that's too bad. Oh, there you go. Thank you, buddy. What, what you, you can put the chirp in there. You can yeah. put the cricket. What, yeah. chirp, chirp, I'll, I'll put yeah. this. Was was that French? Yeah. That's how well I did you in French. It, yeah. Okay, enough. And said. I got like a fifty-five. So okay, yeah, this is making sense then. Oh, yeah. Always got to one up me, huh? Always got to one up me. So, so three minutes into the recruiting conversation, I, I had to tell him that I, I didn't get through French eleven. My, my family had struggled with second language, or my brothers had struggled with it too. So I, I, I pass it on to a genetic thing. Fair, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so all of a sudden, they stopped talking to me the whole time because apparently you needed French 11 to get into UBC. So that was the end. Of, I had a good meal uh, by myself, and uh, that was the end of that. Sounds familiar. <laughs> That's why I appreciate uh, what we went through, and I, under I understood your... Uh, yeah. Anyways. And then, uh, but uh, Dunk McCallum and Capilano were the two schools that came after me in the college at the time. There wasn't uh, you know, 12 at the time that there is or was, and and... So I met Dunk McCallum and and uh, my and my high school coach uh, Bill says when you when you go meet him at the restaurant I think he took me to White Spot splurge for White Spot and 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 pirate pack or pirate packs are good don't knock them I, I didn't want to order one but but Bill Bill Stebbing says uh, you, you'll see him his shirt his shirt will be untied he's got a big gold medallion down here like Jimmy the Greek and I'm going, okay walk in walk in and sure enough there's a guy shirt done shirt done done with a big medallion there still don't know what it was I thought it was like uh, uh, from uh, Griswold's going to Vegas Vegas <laughs> Vegas holiday vacation. where you see him we see him yeah. with the big yeah. anyway the big Caesars uh, gold chain Anyway, so 
I sat down and, and I decided to go to uh, uh, Tulane, you know, at that time it was Vancouver Community College, VCC, and a, and a great, great decision for me. Uh, I, we went there. Um, I, I had no idea. I mean, I, at that time I graduated, didn't know where life was going, wasn't, you know, I was an okay student, wasn't great. And uh, then I found this secret potion of a chocolate milkshake with two eggs in it. Oh, it was unbelievable. Best milkshakes. And so I put on about 15 pounds over that summer, two months going into Langara. And then uh, first practice, I thought, is this the track team? He had us running around the Langara track <laughs> twice. I'm going, this isn't basketball. And uh, then we got a skip and then we're running stairs. And I, I dropped 10 pounds that first week and it was obviously just water. And I, I couldn't move. It was terrible. It was unbelievable. And I'm going, I don't know if I can do this. And then I go, well, I'm not going to go to school without sport that just doesn't mix that's what i've done anyways fortunate enough to make the team uh we lost in the national championship final by one point against dawson dawson um we is had that your first year? year that was the first oh, year wow. yeah came back the second year so that was 83 and then 84 you were all canadian correct yeah do we do our research on this podcast <sighs> i won't tell you how old i was in 84 but Quality. Yeah. Well, you, you've had uh, four months to do some of that research before oh, I got bang, on here. Bang, bang. Here we go. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a pretty phenomenal experience for your freshman year to not really know what you're stepping into. And then you make a national final. Like, you're playing against some pretty high-level basketball players. It, it, it was know. incredible. I mean, my, my story, like I said, it kind of unfolded. It's, it, it's, I went there. I played with some great guys. And, and Cord Clemens, seven-footer who just passed away, uh, went over to play at UVic. Um, it's just some great – some. Might have to edit that hopefully, part out. Hopefully we can edit out the toilet flush. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently my stories weren't, weren't good enough for that. That's, that's, a, that's a, Hold it for the story, hey? That's a uh, Colbert uh, slide right there. So, so <laughs> I'm going to lose my train of thought after that. Making the national final, but, pretty good team, yeah. It, uh, you know, so I went to Langara and, and I, I mean, I, I played two through five in high school. Yeah. You know, I, I was. <laughs> Do you want us to just pause for a sec here or? It's got so, like the auto flush on it. Before, it before we were rudely, before we were rudely interrupted. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's classic. Two coffees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, back back to the question. So, yeah. you know, here I am, six one, playing two through five. You know, leading scorer at the Seattle team. Um, you know, he put me in the post one game, so because our posts were hurt, and he went in, and so I, I learned how to. And I think that was really good for me too, is I learned how to be a post player and appreciate actually passing the ball to the post, which seems to be an allergic uh, reaction to some kids nowadays. But you know, he's able. So I so I learned some things, and and then uh, going to Langer, and they said, yeah, you got to be a point guard. You're you're not going to be you're too small to be a, a shooting guard. And uh, I said, okay, fine. And the guy that was playing ahead of me at the time, Mike Miller, was playing. And I remember first week in October, uh, he, he, he played, bang, ACL gone. Well, now I'm shoved into the starting point guard role. Mm. Boy, that learning curve was fast and had to be fast. And for us to make it to the national championship final and losing by one was really sour. But what an incredible season for us winning the, the, the BC colleges at the time. And then uh, at that point, so it was two years there. And then I, then uh, UBC came came calling, and and uh, Bill Edwards was there at the time. Mike McDaniel was his assistant coach, and he said Mike was going back to school. They recruited me to go to UBC, and I said absolutely, love to go. And, and you know, Bill had known me from the the North Delta days, yep. Yakum days, 
And, uh, and then once I committed, then Stan Stewartson actually reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we want to come up to SFU. And I said, oh, I, I just committed to UBC. And, and uh, you know, that was an interesting phone call. But uh, went to UBC and, and played a couple years there. And, and then it was uh, my last year was Bruce Enns' uh, first year or second year. And uh, we ended up uh, winning Canada West. That was a team that knocked off UVic of their seven, year, or seven years of national championship run. Yep. Beat them three games in War Memorial Gym. Jim, just you know, three thousand people. Jim running onto the floor. Just the, the memory is just electric, and we still use that as a, a turning point in in basketball at UBC. That's cool. And uh, it, it was it was just exceptional. And played with uh, um, uh, a good friend, uh, Paul Johansson, who ended up going down to LA and, and making a lot of money and doing his acting and was on one tree Hill and nine Oh two and for a bit. And so he, and, and, uh, Santa Clara, the soap opera, Santa Barbara, the soap uh, opera and went down there and watched him per- perform and act that day. And, uh, you know, so, so, so just the, those relationships was really unique and again, got a chance to chance to play at, at UBC in that last year. Uh, we had beaten Brandon in, in a, in a, the Winnipeg Westman, Classic in, in, oh, in yeah. December, Christmas, yeah, and then uh, we ended up going back and in, in, into the championship game. And I remember we, the championship game was played at eleven o'clock because of time zones because of the time zones. And it was the, with with at that time it was with kids of the daylight savings change. It's five hour time change, and so it was just I, I had two hours of sleep and mm-hmm. didn't have a stellar game to say the least. But uh, Brandon beat us by eight in the national final uh, my last year. So, but uh, all star in that that game. So I was proud. Happy for myself, but still super disappointed that we didn't get to get the gold medal on that one. But that was sort of my uh, my playing days. Yeah, it's pretty interesting too that, to think like just you know a lot of people, especially nowadays in grade eleven, are like, okay, I've got a plan and I know what I want to do, and you're just playing hoops to play hoops, and then it kind of just sort of starts, just kind of morphs itself into next thing you know, you're an all Canadian, and then you're an all star at the national championships, right? Like that's a, that's a pretty cool story. Um, what was it about basketball that you loved? Was it like, and I know obviously you're a super competitive person, um, Corbs, if you don't know, um, in his younger days, like I never did it. Cause I was like, this is going to ruin practice, but Kevin, our assistant coach, Mike Clark, good player, you know, was national team had some knee injuries, but played pro. So, you know, it was like, nice little guard post combo and they'd always want to play two on two before practice with some of the guys to 21. And I'm like, this is a lose lose because if we, if, if we win, <laughs> like if we beat them, there was no chance you were going to win. He's going to be sour. Right. And practice is going to be awful because he's competitive. And then if they win, which is most likely going to happen, he's just going to chirp us the whole practice and remind us of how badly. So I was like, I never had any part of that, but uh, was it the competition that you loved about basketball? Was it that you could just, work on it on your own. Like that's one thing I love, always loved about basketball. You need a hoop and, and, and a ball, right? And and if you have a group of guys, that's great. But why did you go from, it seems just being kind of casual about the game to playing five years, playing at the university level. Like that's a, that's a big transformation. It, it, like I said, it just sort of unfolded for me that that's what you did. You know, you've always gone to school. I always played sports. Here was an opportunity to continue sports, something that I was, uh, you know, relatively successful with at, at the time. Um, I've always been, and I think part of that growing up of every two and a half years changing schools, I was forced to have to meet people, have to make friends. And as you alluded to earlier, what with a collective, how it became into a group in my that little bubble was teams. You automatically had friends as soon as that you, you made the team and to have success and, and, and um, you know, the self-efficacy 
you know, really outweighs everything. That's still why I do what I do. Intrinsically, I'm motivated by what I do. Um, when I look at the body of work that I've done in the, you know, and, and participated in, in, in the world of basketball, um, very, I mean, obviously it's, it's, I, I chose the right career and right path for myself and the rewards that I've got certainly far outweigh and how I've handled the, the negatives and the, you know, the haters that are out there, you, you know, you handle that stuff is, is a lot different, but, um, it was, uh, uh, the, 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 the friendships, you know, I, I, I just thought I've always been a social leader mm-hmm. and yeah. I, and I think that was, and you know, in the Fridays and Saturday nights, that's when we play. Oh, wow. And you get to, tra- and I think that's one of the unique things of Canada West is you got to see the prairie provinces mm-hmm. and in cities that you may not ever go to. And now I've got friends or family in every city. And, and so, you know, the, the, those times you go and play the game and then you got to go and socialize before or after, and, you know, they want to have dinner right before and you're trying to get ready for games. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how pro athletes and pro coaches, I mean, the lives that they have has just got to be unbelievably crazy mm-hmm. and be, being able to manage that. And you can see how some fall off the rails a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, and I enjoy it. I enjoy being the social things. You know, when you, when you, when you played for me and, what did I love to, I love taking the teams to Hawaii. I'm now getting chirped by my UBC guys right now saying, Coach, we'd look good in Hawaii right now. Eh? Like, we, when are we going? When are we going? When are we going? But, I mean, you think back, you know, I brought in the, the, the book, the photo album yeah. of the memories of us and then oh. the trips to Hawaii of, um, you know, some guys handle the sun a little bit better than others. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Oh, no, right? like it's, and the winds, and the, the winds are great. And, you know, you talk about the tattoo and winning the Nationals. We'll talk about that a little bit. But, like, it's the memories over the long term that really what sustain and you think about, right, that those bonds that you create on the long bus rides, the flights, you know, the funny moments. Oh, I, I, I tell coaches and the captains, there's certain things that the coach has to know about, we need to know about. There's certain things... We kind of want to know about, and there's and there's a lot of things I don't want to know what yeah. about <laughs> ever. And yeah. and that's where you develop the leaders within the team, and mm-hmm. they have to know the stuff. And and you, you know, the support staff, the assistant coaches, the managers, trainers. Um, you know, homie, your brother was an, was a great mm-hmm. trainer manager for us. You know, and yeah. just his his. I'll call it a dry sense of humor. Oh, just a nerdy engineer dude, but loved sports and wanted to be part of but a team. It was just and, awesome. Yeah. Those are the glue guys. Yeah. You know, and, and they can really help relationships and, and monitor stuff and, you know, be the reasonable ones, you know, keeping guys out of trouble, helping them out, letting yeah. us know what we need to know. And um, I, I think there's so much to learn about life through sport. Is it? You know, there's yeah. books, everyone talks about it. But when you've lived it mm-hmm. and you know that it's there, uh, but there, there's nothing more I'd love. I mean, I, you know, I got out of bed early this morning and COVID come here and, and, and talk with you and your show. And more importantly, it's the time that I get to spend with you. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been a long time since we got to hang out. And, yeah. and uh, you know, you you wish you could make time, more time in life to do these kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so that's why basketball was kind of cool. And that's that's what I found. And, and getting to play at a high level and university level as, as, you know, as you did, right? You find the right spot. I found the right spot to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those decisions are tough for high school kids to make or players to make. And, and, uh, sometimes, you know, they, they make a couple decisions and that's the world's changing that way too. Yeah. And, uh, but with, with, uh, with you, um, you know, cherish those moments and, and, and when you, the players you have it that I had at Lang Garrett, just so special memories and looking back at the albums and going back going, wow, those were special times. Yeah, it's awesome. Great answer. Thank you. Um, I also think it's super interesting to hear your story. 
you know, you, you became a coach and you, you've mentioned that you feel like you're right where you need to be and this is what you're meant to do. But you, along the way, just as a young person and then a young man, the people that come across your life, Coach Berger, you know, uh, Coach Stebbings, Dunk McCallum, who's a legendary coach, right? A Hall of Fame coach. And then you get the legendary Bruce Enns. And like the things that I think maybe you get exposed to at a young age, you're just soaking in, but you don't know it yet, right? You're taking all these things in and look at all the different variety of personalities, styles that you've been able to kind of morph into your style, right? So it's like, there's no, there's no doubt when you hear the names that you've had the opportunity to play for and be around, the goods and the bads, right? No coach is perfect. And we've talked a lot about the player coach relationship is challenging, right? It's hard. It's a hard one. Um, but the people that you were able to, to be around and learn the game from, like, that's just a, so much knowledge there, right? It's crazy when you think of those names. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a great point, Aaron. And, and I know I get serious when I call you Aaron. So I'll keep calling you Mitch. <laughs> I bet no one on your little, uh, your, your uh, chat list there, you guys are calling you Aaron anymore. Zero. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm very blessed to, to have that opportunity to coach or to, to play under some unbelievable people from assistant coaches to, to the head coaches and great programs and programs that cared about student athletes and, you know, Dunk having his, I, we spent a lot of time together and he, he really gave me the opportunity um, to really get going with basketball and life and, and you talk about hard love, you know, that was hard love. I mean, uh, there was one year we, before Christmas, our average, we ran 23 sets of lines in practice. That was the average. We were counting them. Man, was I fit. That probably got me down to about 35% body fat at the time, but, <laughs> but it was, it was really, it was really good to, uh, to experience that. And, and as I tell coaches and coaches clinics and tell, tell my players, like, you know, the more people you play for, the more coaches you coach with, the more you, you, learning always occurs and you have to accept that learning. It's, you know, there's different philosophies. There's not necessarily rights and wrongs. Sometimes there are rights and wrongs, but it, sometimes it's just a philosophical difference. And you, you learn a lot what not to do and you can learn a lot what to do. And it's, that's how you have to formulate your own philosophy. And, you know, people say, well, well can I do this? You know, it's like becoming a public speaker. If you're, if you're not funny, don't go up and try to be funny doing a public speech because as soon as the first joke doesn't go, man, you feel, I mean, I've, I've done this a couple of times, and, you know, you think it's going to be, oh, this is going to be hilarious, and there's not a peep, a crack of a smile or even in the audience, and you just go, oh, and it takes you about 10 minutes to recover back on track because your mind's going, oh, I'm doing a bad job, I'm embarrassed. But be who you are as a person. But my coaching philosophy certainly was, you know, part, part of it is how your parents brought you up and your morals and your ethics. and, and uh, and what you've learned as, as a child growing up and your experiences with, with, with the coaches that you've had. And I, I mean, I, I was, like I said, very fortunate to have some of the great top minded coaches um, from, you know, how, how to teach the hard work, successful coaches, you know, getting to the national championships, winning the provincial championships. Uh, there's, there's just so much and learning still occurs. And, you know, I was asked a question at one point in my career, do you think you know everything about basketball? It was right after we won the uh, 1997, uh, the Canada Games gold medal in Brandon. And someone came up and said, you know, do you think you know it all now? And he said, and they go, that's an odd, odd question. And I think once you think you've learned it all, like you, you, it's time to retire. Because if you're not willing to change, I mean, life is changing faster than, it's exponentially getting faster and changing and, uh, you know, without getting too philosophical. But yes, very fortunate to have those guys. And, and, and I really wish as a player, you know, if there are younger people listening to this, which there may not be, 
But oh, uh, a lot of our kids that listen, you, you know what? The, you, you you pay attention. You, you show the respect. Coaches are doing this for you. Teachers do this for you. You know, it's not just a just a job. And and those relationships can be lifelong ones. And the and the reward of just simple saying thanks to a coach. You know, what one of my one of my greatest memories, to be honest, I was I'd go and have my practices out at UBC. You know, so here it is, the varsity team, we're intense, you know, 18 to 25-year-old men and the intensity of a two-hour practice. And then in grade 12, when I coached my, I coached Jessica's team for four years, really hoping someone else was going to do it. But in hindsight, probably better that I did it. So I'm, I was on that side versus being in the stands watching and being that bad parent. And... But I'd go there in the nickname of, of uh, Little Flower Academy or the Angels. So I would go and practice with my guys and come and have a two-hour practice with my little angels. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, was that an eye-opener as a coach. Uh, it really taught me there's a different side in why the girls play. It was really about the team cohesiveness. And they didn't like even, you know, y- you understand my sense of sarcasm, which is very close to your sense of sarcasm and, and to us we think there is room for sarcasm in teaching although we've probably both been told that you really shouldn't but the girls it took them a little while to understand and i said girls it's just it's just tough love like you guys are great and 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 uh i think that made me a little understand a different side of life and a different side of the game for sure all part of growth all part for of sure again great points on the growth mindset um and then you don't waste any time. You graduate and then you jump right into coaching. And I think maybe we talked about for younger people or people who um, have maybe just followed your career for the last five, six years, see UBC coach um, and don't realize maybe the grind that it takes to be a dedicated coach in Canada. I mean, at any level, right? Like if you, you know, coach K just doesn't walk in and be coach K, right? Like you didn't just walk in and get a UBC job. you committed your life to, to coaching and um, just talk a little bit about, you know, those, I think it's about four years, three, four years you do coaching and then Langara, I think in 91 was your first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk about those years, who you coached with and under and what that was like and, and there your desire a, for, for the, you know, to just become a better coach and, and move on with that. I hate to date myself, but back in the day when there was no internet, if you can believe that, and <laughs> sounds like five, six of your listeners uh, won't know what I'm talking about and think I'm some ancient dude on here. But finish playing, you know, we come second in the country. We win Canada West, uh, you know, personal highlights uh, at the national championship, played, played my best basketball at the right time my last year. We, we didn't know. We didn't know how to go get contracts afterwards. You know, the, the national team guys did um, for, and not to say that I could have, but just not even knowing opportunities that existed at the time. It's just not a lot of people had those opportunities and the guys that went were legitimate players. Uh, I remember, and, and so life unfolded. And this is another message that I preach to kids is never burn a bridge, whether it's a teacher, a friend, uh, someone that you know, someone in... Uh, someone in Tim Hortons. Brandon, Manitoba. Brandon, Manitoba. Never. I tell, I tell people all the time, like I had my, and that's one thing I always took away from you. Um, and you pushed me to go to Brandon. I was, you know, I probably should have left earlier, but I just wasn't ready. But going there and learning about, like, you know, prairie people are the best, right? They're the nicest, kindest people you'll ever meet. They'll open your door for you after talking to you for 15 minutes. I had a friggin' speaker phone interview to St. Thomas More from a connection of a connection of a connection for my teaching job and 16 years later, right? And, and, and I'm not patting myself on the back. It's just the learning is like, if I was an asshole to everyone, 
who would have I been able to call? Who would have back in BC like, hey, I'm looking for a job, you know? So I did. There's such an important point is just to treat people kindly, and you never know who you're going to need to fall back on, right? And it's okay to admit that we're not using people, but you you treat people well because we all need each other for different things along our paths. And and so it was, uh, you know, I had a good relationship with with Dunk at the time. I was very respectful to him, and and didn't understand everything as as a lot of players don't with their coaches. Um, so as my playing days, well now, and, and, and similar to you, I did, I did an extended version of the, to get my degree. Um, although some in the university, I don't understand how you can get a degree in three years, but, but we, uh, so I had to go back and finish a few classes. And like I said, I was a social leader throughout that time. So, um, that, that wasn't a, didn't seem like a big deal to me, but holy cow, was there a void in basketball? Was there a void? But bang, I get a phone call from Dunk saying, Kev, would you want to come and be an assistant coach? Oh, dunk! Absolutely done there, um, and and uh, I think I got paid. I think I got McDonald's once or twice on road trips, and that was about it. Yeah. And uh, but was there every day, and I just found okay. Hey, I'm loving this stuff. I, okay, now I'm getting it. I knew dunk, and I could be a, a good buffer between the hard love and and you know I told him twenty three sets of lines. Okay, maybe cut it to fifteen or so, maybe a little bit better. But uh, but had that relationship, and then and then the second year. Uh, I got a phone, so I finished, graduated. I got a phone call from Stan Stewartson at SFU. He goes, Kev, we got an opening. Uh, we'd like you to come and be an assistant coach with us. Jay Triano is going to be the lead assistant. You'll be the second assistant. And and just so you know, up front, when I'm done, uh, Jay's going to be taking over. So don't have any aspirations of taking over. It's just going to, hey, totally get it. And so I went there. How cool, though, that, like, you talk about growth and letting go of things and da-da-da, you know, as a coach, him being able okay to to separate recruiting you and you saying sorry, I'm already committed, and not hold that against you as a young person making a choice that you, and then realizing, hey, I've seen this guy play now, I know he gets the game, I want him on my staff, right? Like the ability to separate the two, you know, that's that's an interesting, powerful thing right there because I don't think a lot of people would have the ability to separate that. There, there is, there is. No love between SFU and UBC. <laughs> and so the abuse that I took for getting there, I remember one day, Lauren Davies was the, uh, was the athletic director at the time, and we had a practice, and I was wearing a blue shirt to practice. I, I, I just had a blue shirt. It was a T-shirt. And I got called into Stan's office, and I just got a scathing, blasting, don't ever wear blue again. That's UBC colors. And, hey, just tell me once. I, I, I'm a smart learner. I, you, a quick learner i didn't need to wear that shirt that's fine but soon just know that the that what a, a true rivalry really was but getting the opportunity jay was still playing with the national team and was real busy and um you know and and stan in his own right as a as a as a coach man learned a lot from all of these guys and then even with jay jay and i sharing an office and and you know i remember after games we, he would coach and then he'd go into the gym and shoot till one o'clock in the morning like he was still playing and still had that hunger to be a player and everything else uh, and then Stan uh, retired that year. Um, Jay took over as the head coach when his playing days were done. And then uh, they wanted to, it was a deal to get Stan back. They had two assistant coaches at the time. And Jay was going to be the, the lead assistant. So Jay uh, was hired into that position. And I went back to Langara. And then Bruce asked me, uh, Langara went back to Langara. And they said, hey, we want you to come back. If you work in the equipment room, it was a union job at the time. It was really well paid. Uh, be an assistant coach and you start your master's at UBC, we'll get you some teaching as well. So I went there and, and uh, I was assistant coach at UBC for a year. 
So I did the Langara, then UBC as I was doing my master's. And then Dunk called me and said, I'm retiring. Love for you to take over Langara. And I said, absolutely, let's make it happen. And he still had a couple of years left of Langara, but it, he had some, some health issues. And I think it was just time for him to get to the next chapter. So it, it was part of these relationships. The guys took care of me as, as we went through. You know, it was really special to have those opportunities and fortunate to, to play for those passionate coaches, learn a lot. And like I said, it just kind of kept, kept going into that. And then um, years later, we can get into it, but, you know, could coach the provincial team stuff. And we happened to meet a guy named Darren Mitchell at the time and uh, coached the U19s. And, you know, having the U19s was a unique thing. And I still think that's a, a voided area in basketball. I think it's we talked uh, about it many times. Yeah. Like what a great experience it was. And just the level of basketball was just, it was phenomenal. That was, you know, even Randy said, although he didn't play a lot that f- second year under you, he's like, that might have been my funnest summer of basketball. Like just because every practice were was like such a high level and yeah i think it's we're missing that for sure you know, and you, when you're coming back from and i think that was good for me for my development and and led to opportunities i mean i'll give i'll give uh jay an awful lot of credit for being the first guy to get me into canada basketball he was a national team coach and gave me an opportunity to to work sort of the b team with him throughout a lot of the summers and this is pulling in d1 guys pro guys so he he, he you'd cut him from the senior team and say, go down and be captains with your team. And the problem was he told like 10 guys that. So I had 10 guys want to be captains on the B team. And, uh, but took on the mentality. And it, it, it was, it, I was just grateful that Jay had the trust and faith in me to, to, to start uh, to coaching there. And then uh, that led to five opportunities to coach in the FISU Games, World University Games team and, and the special people and seeing them. And you know, it's, been, it's been awesome. And just watching the CEBL, uh, a whole bunch of players that I've coached uh, are playing in that league, so neat to see their development and knowing that you know as part of part part of the experience in basketball that they had. Was FISU Games? Did it feel like a mini Olympics? Oh yeah. It, for, most people don't even know what it is, yeah. and FISU stands for Federation International Student Universiade. Some people call it the Universiade, some call it the World University Games. So they're all the same thing. It is the second largest sp- multi-sporting event next to the Summer Olympics. Just absolutely a, a, a amazing thing, and for development of athletes and a lot of uh, Olympians, that's part of it because you're being tested with with the worlds. And, and the first experience I got as the as the head coach, I went went in and uh, Daegu, South Korea. They had just built a new soccer facility. The, the World Cup was hosted there, and uh, we walked out and we're all in our, our Canada gear. This is new for all of us. I mean, and as a head coach, you know. I didn't go through the assistant coach stuff with the national program. So this is throw it at you. Here you go, go at it. And we walked out in front of 75,000 screaming fans with the light show. It was the opening ceremonies that you see on TV. Mm-hmm. And just, you talk about goosebumps. You talk about just an incredible euphoric feeling of walking out to there going like, holy cow, and carrying the flag, having Canada on your jersey. And, you know, it was, it was probably about 45 degrees outside. And we were just like, you know, you just, it just, and it didn't matter. Yeah. We all, everyone stunk, everyone sweaty. And it's opening ceremony. Running, we were just walking around the track. And we couldn't, we were getting pictures taken with everybody and the flags. And we didn't hear a single speech, but we were there. Uh, and just, and, and that, just that wow factor. And you can see how it, it's tough for athletes that are competing in the Olympics uh, to not want to go, or or the coaches say you can't go to opening ceremonies because that euphoric feeling about holy cow, 
I'm representing the country. I'm coaching this team or I'm playing on this team and I'm, you're doing it for yourself, but doing it for the country. Um, and, and just the, the television exposure. It is such a huge event. It's too bad that Canada doesn't really, people here don't have an understanding what it is. But when you're part of that, I mean, I can I can only imagine making the Olympics and you know being a player, being an athlete of any of any sport, coach, yeah. whatever. Um, and that's what got me to uh, wanting to do it again. It's a, it's it's a short, condensed period of time. We at that time we had D one uh, CIU players on the team from different ages, different and and the the age was twenty five, so it's under twenty five. So they're men, yeah. You know, and you're dealing with some. The rules are. You either have to be in a post-secondary institution or only out one year. So that was the, the eligibility, and uh, you know, just in, incredible memories. And, and it just it, it 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 is such a phenomenal experience to coach internationally. And when you walk out in opening ceremonies like that, and and it's it's the same thing. Uh, you know, you walk out and there's there there are hundreds of buses going back to the athletes' village, mm-hmm. and you got to try to get on one. And you're with people that don't speak English. You don't know where your bus is. You're lost. And here it is. You've been waiting. You know, in the athletes' waiting uh, holding area for about two to three hours, yeah. and it's forty-five. There was mascots there; they were falling over sideways. They weren't—they weren't getting any water. <laughs> He's sitting there going, "This is crazy, man!" You got a hat on. You try. There's no shade. You're in an open field because there's so many there's thousands of athletes. And uh, so, so you really—I got an appreciation about these Olympians. You know, the ones that don't go to opening ceremonies, man, they miss a lot. Just because that's. But if you're competing the next day. You get it. You can't be on your legs that, that long. And, you know, sports psychologists will tell you, don't go, you know, don't go for the experience. You're going there to compete to win gold medals. You're going there to medal. And I sit there and go, holy cow, am I ever glad that I had the opportunity to take teams? And so even when we went, I said, it's up to you. I'm not going to, I'm not, the five times we've gone, I said, it's, it, it, it's, it's up to you whether you want to go or not. Yeah. But I really think you should go because it is an incredible experience. And in all those times, only one player decided not to go. And uh, it was it was a shame because it was it, it uh, you know I have a saying. There's only so many times in life you can feel great about yourself. Mm. You know, you know. Some people call it 15 minutes of fame, and yeah, yeah. but it's not even about the fame outside. You, you know, intrinsically when you've done something and, and accomplished something. And that was that was one of the most special moments of my life that I'll never forget. Walking out in front of that 75,000 people, and you're with the team. You're with Team Canada. And then, but your 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 intrinsic reward about yourself and how you got here really put it together. Very emotional night, and um, so so honored that I had that opportunity, and people had faith in me to actually take a team and do that. Yeah, hoops journey right there. Pretty crazy what a silly little game can do for for people, right? The moments that you can experience just from the game of basketball is like mind blowing. I sat outside, I sat outside with uh, Teresa and Jess the other uh, the other day in our backyard. And we, we put in, for Jess, we put in a, a you know, a, a pole and a hoop out there. Mm-hmm. And I said, that, that, that little thing right there, and the mm-hmm. little ball goes through that little piece of iron. I said, that is what my career has been about. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's crazy, crazy and how small the game of basketball is and how few people know it, play it, appreciate it. But yeah. that's been my life. And I, I, I found, for me, I, I found my niche in life and I'm very happy that I did. It's awesome. Um, good stuff. Love the stories. I, I, you know, I just, the Canada stuff, super cool. Cause you know, obviously I'm a prideful Canadian too. And I think it's awesome when people have the same amount of pride, if not more. And you having that opportunity, I know for me, like maybe when Eli's a little older and we have a little more time and like a goal for me would be to get on some sort of team like that as a, an assistant coach and just experience that too. Cause I think it would just be so cool. Um, at Langara. So you jump into Langara 
I just want to touch on that a little bit. We'll just talk about UBC and then we'll ask what you think about ketchup on macaroni. Um, <laughs> but uh, Don't poison good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you've already answered it. Um, so, like, you know, you get to Langara. A, were you confident? You, you know, you didn't really have any head coaching experience. So were, or were you just like, I'm just going to go for this? Or were there a little bit of nerve? And then just talk about the strength of that league at that time. Because, you know, you had SFU, you had UBC, you had UVic. And you going through your little book there. And I'm like, oh, there's no, oh, there's Barnaby. Like, there's Simon or you. Like, the guys that you had play for you those first few years, like, wow. He had some, he had some talent, right? And you, you, you developed a program, like, from the start. Now, do you feel you're a humble guy? Was that just momentum from dunk? Or did you just feel that through your experiences, you were confident and ready to go and and knew what it took to get the program where you wanted it? Uh, That's, that's a, it's, that's a great question. Um, You're full of good questions. This is, you you got your calling. This is a, this is a special show. Um, I'm almost over the fact that I was like 20th on the list, but (laughs) remember when he said he wanted to edit some stuff. (laughs) But you you know, it's, it's hard to go back and look at that. You think about it over the, I was born on November 20th too, by the way, 20. Yeah. Did you get that tattied somewhere? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So back, back to the, back to the question. (laughs) This is, this is sort of like you in a timeout. I know. You know, back in the day, you mentioned here we got yeah, give us number twenty. Yeah, yeah, is that yeah, like twenty keeps fucking up? Throw me the ball, yeah, coach, coach, coach. Just give me the ball. Yeah, not the year with Lou though. It went to Lou the whole year, so. But I don't blame you for that. It's fine. Right, right. And I think that was a pretty good decision. It was still decent, <laughs> decent, decent decision. Yeah, yeah. Were you nervous? Were you confident? A little bit of both. Uh, I remember a little bit of both. You know, I, I was there. I thought I was ready for it. Um, well, you know, it could be because I had I had been assistant coach for two years with that. I had done. Coached with uh, Coach Anza, with with Coach Thurston, um, you know, with Jay in there. So I, I was, I was, I was confident. I was confident at the time. And then, really, you take on the persona of those coaches. I think early on, and then there's a lot of trial and error. You know, you sit there and you go, okay, where's the periodization? Where's all this practicality stuff? And then you need to get your NCCP level threes and all level one, twos, and threes and Going okay, that's that's on paper sounds good, but when you're on the court, it's a whole new different world. When you've got different personalities, uh, you're dealing with some. Uh, I won't go there, but you, you know, you're, you're dealing with you're dealing with, with with different different people and and different reasons why and the head there. role is way different than the assistant, right? You can form a little bit of a different relationship. You're kind of the middle guy. You're at times the fun guy. You know, you're the the rebounding sort of yeah, a lot of good cop. Then it's you're the head position, and it's that's a whole different role to take on. And and that's why the you know the Bruce Sands had a great line. He said, "Your assistant coaches, the first thing they have to do is they have to love the head coach." And you know, you sit there and as head coach, that's some good point that's interesting. Sometimes, yeah. uh, sometimes a player, you know, some a player will come up to your assistant coach and say, "You know, Mitchell's just being an idiot today. Like, what's his problem? He didn't have a monster's coffees before practice today." <laughs> And, uh, you know, the assistant coach goes, yeah, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's him. I don't get him to. You know, so you can have an assistant does that that throws you under the bus. You don't know what they're saying, so they have to love you. And, and through the thick and the thin, and they got to be there for you. And uh, it's so important, like I said, even the, even the staff, the trainers and managers, they got to be on your side. Mm-hmm. And that's why you got to treat them with respect and ex- ex- expect that back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you go there. At that time, the, 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 the college league that I'll call it, it was unbelievable. I mean, there's still a lot of talented and some great coaches in there now, but back in the day, you know, 
Trinity Western was was still in the college league. I mean, there, there was UBC, SFU, and UVic. Those were the three universities. Now there's seven to choose from. So you start going through the graduating high school players and how many can make different teams and how many are going to be, you know, all Canadian level guys. Uh, it's tough to to draw. And in, in my early years at Lang at UBC, sorry. Uh, we would have three or four of the guys from that college league because I respected it. Mm-hmm. Some some universities, some high school coaches didn't appreciate how good that league was because they went themselves went directly to university and you know and 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 you know a lot of high school coaches think their best players are oh no they're they're university guys they're ready for that. Well, when I went to Langara, I needed it socially, I needed it academically, and I needed it basketball wise. So those three pillars um, for for me, I went to the right place that helped me. And that's, that's why I appreciate that, that so much. And that league, you know, th- there was some outstanding coaches, you know, high school coaches that came back and coached into that, some coaches that started out. I mean, those games, it was, it was talented. I mean, the, the teams that you played on, what, I think we had seven guys that eventually made a, a university team. It was an incredible, without calling it a farm league, it was incredible. And not all of them were there just because of, of grades. Like I said myself, it was, it was a combination of those three things. And for some people, it was the right place. There's a lot of guys that played at that time that should have gone, could have gone to university. But guess what? When the internet's not around, you can't market yourself. I mean, we're getting probably you know, 150 to 200 uh, emails uh, a week yeah. from kids that want to come and play there. And right now, and, and stemming from starting in grade 9 and 10, right now with COVID, they're at home. What are they doing? They're researching, you know, and then some people are paying a thousand bucks to somebody to mass email it out to every university in the world. Um, so you get some of those, but you get some that are serious and some, Hey coach, watch my profile. And, uh, but, but the amount of talent, like, like, and, and that, that was before, this is another podcast for you, I'm sure, but this was before the, the schools became, um, the, sorry, the, the middle schools, the junior highs became senior highs. Right. So when there was seven or eight feeder elementaries into one major high school. It's just 11, 12. Yeah. That that was, that was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, back in that day, it was just single and double A too. That's, that's dating myself. But so, so you were, you were having basically the cuts in the top cream of the cream were playing against each other. And then by the time they got to the senior highs, it was really good basketball. And so now it has been a little bit watered down because of the system that's, that's been put in place. And uh, I, I think it's, I, I really think it, it has hurt the college league um, by the amount of, of the, the colleges and several of them became university colleges and then they became universities and they, they realized, the presidents realized what sport can actually do for an institution. And so they jumped up. And so now we are, we're, in my opinion, we're a little uh, flooded with having the seven universities just with our population base. and. Um, um, there's uh is so it's changed but the coaching was unbelievable i mean it, it was it was as intense it was as serious back then some people don't know what vhs is but i don't i don't know what the acronym stands for but there were little tapes that we had to use and so when you're scouting nowadays you just go on synergy our leagues on synergy you get into there it already someone breaks it down in 24 hours as to your jump shots you coming off of ball screens all your stats every everything about you so you can do the clipping and it saved so much time back in those days. And, and you had to have your allies across the country when you go to national championships. And, you know, we were fortunate to go seven out of the nine years at Langara, we went to the national championships. And so you're, you're calling ahead 
trying to get VHS tapes from the games from the weekend if they taped them. And then they got to courier them out. And then they're upset that they had to pay for couriering because you had no budget. But I say, if you can coach at that time, and even now, if you could coach at the college level, you can coach anywhere because we had to do, you, you are doing everything from the recruiting to the marketing, fundraising. Um, I mean, we won't get into the day that we were fundraising for Hawaii and you were supposed to paint the stairs and uh, you had you had gone socializing the night before and you were you were you were, little, you were struggling in the heat. It's not so in good shape. Yes. Tried to put you in the shade. Uh, that didn't work when I went back and you were napping on the stairs in a very awkward position. So I said, uh, instead of getting mad, I knew you. So I handled it well. So what did I do as a smart coach that I was? I did the lunch run. He did Mickey D's run. So yeah. we, he, I said, okay, go around, spend the next hour going around just so guys think you're working. Yeah. Take their orders. Here's some money. Go get some uh, some some lunch for us. And, and do you remember what happened? Two hours later, yeah. yeah. Well, I took a yeah. I had to, I got some. I had to get paint, and I I got the food. So I had like four trays of four drinks, like sixteen drinks, and I turn, and they all just fall over in my car. <laughs> so, so so he's mad about you know. <laughs> He's mad about that. And we're all, it's hot outside. We've been working. And he's it's got true, it. though. I mean, these are fundraisers so we could go on great trips. Like, there wasn't the money, right? You know? Yeah. But as, as a coach, you live through those moments. But even that, just, I could have handled it so many different ways. But I thought it was appropriate to send you on a little mission and let, let you didn't fulfill it because the drinks got spilled all over everything. But, uh, but at least you brought the right order. You didn't uh, mix yeah. up the which chocolate bar I wanted. So yeah, of course. Was, uh, Never. But but oh, Henry. So the coaches, I have the ultimate respect for for people that have uh, coached in that, have played in it. I still have a lot of respect for it, and, and uh, it was it was a huge part of my life, and and I will always be an advocate of. Then and the great people that are within that association that are still the CCAA, mm-hmm. you know, they are. Uh, it doesn't get the as much notoriety as as U Sport or the professional sports, but it is a huge part of the process of the. Uh, structure of coaching and athlete development within our within our country yeah for sure um good lad clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the lower mainland the owner shane meyer has worked hard to create a personal experience offering clothing specialized coffee haircuts and beard trims located in lower lonsdale at 221 west esplanade in north vancouver seconds from the sea bus if you are unable to make it to the store you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in-store, if you mention a Hoops Journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. Or let's talk about 1995. Um, this guy playing at Terry Fox. He's, you know, you're coaching. You've. When when did you make the first national final, for you coaching wise? Like at at Lang. At Lang. Yeah. Uh, it was the first year. 
Your first year, you made the national final. Was that so? You had Barnes. Was Barnes there? No, no, that was they were the second year. Okay, all right. Crazy. So So your first year playing, you made the national final, and your first year coaching, you made the national final. Wow, that's wild. Interesting. Um, Do you want to tell a story or me? Let's let's have. (laughs) I've talked a lot right now, so let's let's hear your version. Okay. I I might jump in and 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 give the facts as you go through it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You'll be the fact checker. All right. So I'm in grade twelve. Like Kev said, you know, uh, I went out to like the U of A ID camp, you know, had to spend our own family money to get out there, right? Went with Mahar. It was awesome. They just won the nationals, like got to room with, you know, some like Pete Nectel and these guys and it was great, you know, but Donnie Horwood said to both of us, hey, you know, I think a couple years of college would be good for you guys, right? So much like you, you're saying like academically, athletically, socially, right? Like if I had gone to U of A my first year, I mean, I failed out my first year anyways and I was living at home so realizing that the college was a bit probably going to be my option and then uh we went to watch the girls provincials and they were at cap college and Phil Langley was the coach there and he talked to me and so I thought okay that would be a good idea and me and Mahar decided to go and then this guy Kev Hansen decided that he wanted to recruit me and so I'm sitting in law class and Don Van Oss's law class one day and he comes in he's like Mitchell, oh, yeah, he's a phone call. So I go in his office, and it's Ke- it's Kev. He's like, oh, "Hello, Aaron. This is Kevin Hansen from Langara College." Uh, I don't <laughs> think I don't think it sounded quite like that. But uh. anyways, we make plans to meet a Red Robin in Coquitlam, across from Coquitlam Center. All right, and at this point, I'm just too new- nervous, too immature to have the tough conversation and just say, "Hey, like, I'm not sure if this is what I want to do and if I want to go to Langara." So I say yes. And so Van Oss is like, all right, so you got that plan. That'd be a good place for you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, yeah. Knowing in my mind that like two days from now, we have our athletic banquet. And it's the same day that I've planned to like go for dinner with Kev. So Kev comes from wherever he is, White Rock, all the way to Coquitlam. And he says, yeah, it's table for two or whatever. And I, there's no cell phones. So like he can't text me. Um, he doesn't have my home number, right? He has the number to Van Oss and, and Terry Fox. And so whatever, I just... You want me to take it from here? He, well, he, <laughs> he orders a water and waits and waits. And then he orders a Caesar salad. Like the waitress is like, can we get you anything? And you've been here how long? Yeah. you may. It was an hour before he ordered my salad. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically just bailed on him. And then... Uh, not, then not basically. I did. Yeah, yeah I, did. I did. I did. I bailed on him because I was too chicken, you know what, to, to, uh, to just to turn him down or just say no. And then the next day I go to law class, Mitchell and Van Oss is just ripping me in the office. Like, what are you doing? Like I put my name on the line for you and you just bailed, blah, blah, blah. You need to pick up the phone and call him. And so, yeah, I had my tail between my legs there. And then I went to cap and had to play against Kev twice that year. It was uncomfortable to say the least. We won one and lost one. Navi got tossed. We beat you guys at Lang, and Navi got tossed. It was awesome. <laughs> but you beat it. But we lost to Mal, and then you think you lost to Mal in the final at UCC, and they went on ninety five, ninety six. They made the they made nationals that year. Gary Edgar, Derek Wiseman, Billy Billman, Donnie Fitzpatrick. Right? Yeah. And then fast forward to the U nineteen year. So I finished my year at Cap. Uh, second team all-star me and Bristow only rookies to get all-stars but anyways uh, Kev, <laughs> you got ripped off you served first team thank you so we go to the U19 tryouts and guess who's the head coach 
I'm like, well, I'm not going to make this team. So we're at the first tryouts at the old Grizzlies Center. And I remember Bristow, Jason Bristow, awesome dude, played provincial team with him for two years, got to know him as a really good buddy, hung out with him lots. He comes up and he's like, so what are you doing next year? Because Phil Langley had retired. And I was like, I don't really know. Like I failed out. Like once basketball was done, I basically didn't go to a class. I was like, so I'm going to be ineligible if I play. And he's like, whatever, go through the tryout make the top 20 and then they're doing the final cuts. So the last tryouts at Langara, there's like Pat Lee, Ross Tomlinson, Kev, um, who was the assistant? Uh, the guy from Kamloops. Oh, I can't remember his name. And a Jamil Aziz. Jamil, yes. Jammer. And a couple other guys, right? So they're pulling in guys in individually. And so I sit down and Kev's like not really making eye contact and his body language is bad. And then, like Pat Lee takes over and he says, Aaron, how do you think you did? And I said, well, and in my mind, I thought like I played well enough to make the team and that I was probably going to have a good role on the team. And, and I said, yeah, I thought I did okay. Like I didn't want to sound too, you know, cocky or too hard on myself. And then they kind of like all didn't really say much. And then Ross kind of just said, you know, well, sometimes things don't go. And I was like, oh my God, this guy, this guy's going to cut me. He's going to cut me because I didn't go to freaking Langara. Like I was like, I'm going to flip a table. And this was the previous summer. I was an alternate. So like I, I, I had to spend the whole summer as an alternate, but I did it and put my head down and we were a great team, but you know, it was not easy to be an alternate. I'd never been in that position. And I was like, I'm actually going to get cut. And then they kind of, it was just like four second pause. And Kev just says, ah, yeah, well you made the team. And they all just start dying laughing at me. And I will not repeat what I said after, but uh, yeah, I went on to have like an amazing summer and like Kevin and I just hit it off. Our personalities, I would say, meshed pretty good. And like, you know, you taught me a lot about the game, but yeah, it was an interesting, um, I mean, an interesting hoops recruiting journey to get to that point. Um, but, you know, I made my own mistakes and was just young and dumb and scared to have the tough conversation and wasn't, wasn't ready to be vulnerable and felt like I was letting someone down. Right. And I, and I'm sure you experienced it, but now it's a story that I have to live with for the rest of my life. You know, and as I preach, that was one of the stories that I, I say, uh, life is about decisions <laughs> and, uh, full of them. But that was really the first experience that I had with someone that was uh, completely rude to me. And, uh, no, <laughs> I was all excited. Here's, you know, Aaron, Aaron, Mitch, dog Mitchell. I mean, he, he's ready to go. He's a baller gamer, unbelievable talent, uh, inside out guy could shoot it, could play inside team guy. Everybody loved him. The glowing report I got from Van Oss, uh, and Rich Chambers at the time, this guy is a winner. He, you gotta get him. Oh, it's, I mean, our conversation with those guys on the phone talking about what a special kid this is. I said, oh, great. Uh, you know, and then they sold, those two guys are two of the nicest human beings. And they said, oh, no, he'd love to meet you. He'd love to talk to you. Oh, great. Threw in, threw in some hope. There was some hope. So we did. He is correct. We did have a conversation. And uh, we were going to meet. I remember I got there. So this was going to be, this is going to be a, you know, this is a big catch. Aaron Mitchell is a big catch. So I remember going there. Got my uh, my dress polo on, and I had to dress pants and shoes on. Someone was very uncomfortable. And go there, and I start talking. I said, yeah, I'm a couple minutes early. So I got there about 15 minutes early. You want to make sure you're on time. You know, okay. Okay, it's getting there. Just having water, having a good conversation with the, with the server. And uh, she kept coming back about every 10 minutes. And I said, yeah, he should be here. Uh, maybe he's late. Maybe, maybe, maybe we had it off by half an hour. Uh, 
and then finally, as Mitch said, she came by and said, uh, sir, it's, uh, it's been an hour. Can I get you anything? I go, yeah, he's probably not coming. She goes, yeah, he's not coming. I said, do you know him? She goes, no, I don't know him. I said, okay, I'll take a Caesar salad just in the hopes. So I drove out here anyways. I might as well have some to eat. And then... Uh, Didn't even go clucks and fries, hey, or anything, just I, I, salad. I remember, yeah. so I, I borrowed their phone, and I, I called the phys ed office, <laughs> um, knowing that no one weren't going to be there. But I said, you know what, uh, it's, it's uh, quite disrespectful. He didn't show up. I'm here. I don't know if there was a communication gap or what happened, but uh, uh, if, if you could let me know, talk to him. You know, if he doesn't want to come, just let me know, da-da-da-da-da. So then I get that phone call. Well, they actually called me back in the morning and said, you know, what happened he said he just didn't show. He goes, he just didn't show, and I said, yeah, I, I had a Caesar salad by myself at Red Robin after driving an hour there and an hour home. And um, he said he was going to come. And he goes, well, that's funny because we just had our athletics banquet. <laughs> and I'm going, oh no, seriously? And, and he goes, yeah, he sh- he should have known better. Maybe he maybe he uh, messed up the nights. So they talked to him and they didn't mess up the nights. And then he uh, bailed and went to the other school. And, you know, you can't get all the recruits, but, uh, you know, time, things happen for a reason, right? You, you went there and uh, you, you uh, I mean, you apparently needed to go there for academic reasons as well. <laughs> and uh, But these were the days, like, I remember registration. It wasn't even, when we got to Lang, it was phone at CAP. You, you had to wait in line physically. Yeah. So you had a list of like eight classes. You wait in this line for 30 minutes. Sorry, this class is now full. You try to get your neck. Like it was a gong show. So, the, you know, there so, was no so pre-reg or anything. frustration caused you not to do well in the Oh, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. No, no, no. But, clarify that. But also it was like this, the old dudes on the team are like, wait, you're taking a lab course on Friday mornings? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's just <laughs> all these courses that were just not... Yeah, it was not. Yeah, what you gonna roast me? I see you finally pick oh, up the is microphone. Is this why you're big on communication now? This little it's part <laughs> of the learning, it's part of the learning process, man. I got nothing to hide. Absolutely, communication is key. But that's not necessarily communication. That's just being able to confront a hard situation. But it's not even that hard. It's just a tough conversation, and it's part of growing. When we're young, we avoid things. We want to do it via text or an email or just avoid it at all causes, right? And as you get more comfortable in your own skin you realize you're not really letting someone down. You're just making a decision for yourself. And so that's part of the learning and growing process. And I, you know? I, I think at that time, too, it was, uh, you know, I, I took I took some knocks early on in my career. Not that I was at Langara, but just I got some opportunities in coaching. Um, and I took some more knocks when I got the UBC job, just that I didn't do uh, the high school route, mm. that I wasn't a high school coach. And, you know, the camaraderie and, rivalries that start that way and getting into that inner circle was was tough to break through with especially when i got to ubc mm-hmm. but um you know at that time and and uh langley was was uh, phil was good friends with rich chambers and van oss you know they had gone through the high school system together and coached against each other and those types of relationships are are, are strong you know and i know it wasn't certainly wasn't going to knock it but um, you know, you made your decision and, you know, sometimes it's influenced by other people as well and your high school coaches and, for, you know, they're just got the best interest in and they trusted him. They didn't really know me from anybody from Adam. And so yeah. it was uh, uh, a learning curve. But, you know, I, I did forgive. It was a great salad. It was a really good salad. <laughs> croutons or? I picked the croutons up Off, because at yeah. that time carbohydrates were uh, were really bad for me, but they're worse now. <laughs> but anyways, I, I, I tell that story all the time and just about how our relationship went from that moment, how hard it is to say no to a coach. It's that sometimes it's a tough thing. It's it's the one of the toughest decisions uh, next to drugs and 
physical attraction issues mm-hmm. uh, that a, that a that a high school player has to make to tell mm-hmm. to tell a grown man that's that's been on you, flirting with you, texting you know about how great you are, and, mm-hmm. and telling you in emails and everything else that gets sent and showing up at your games to, to say that no, I'm going to go play somewhere else. Yeah, you know that can be very very tough on people and. And that's why I tell people, you know, the earlier make your decision. Once you get the right decision and you think it's right, then go with it. Yeah. Uh, you obviously thought that was the right one for you, you know, without doing your homework. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang. But you turned out to be a pretty good guy in the end. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you do did make the decision eventually to transfer over and get a second chance. Uh, also super interesting. You say no to Stan. He could hold that against you, brings you as a coach. I ghost you completely you don't even say no to even give you the respect to say no you could have just been like move on saw some value and still were open to you know continuing to recruit me which is i think interesting right so that's shows some interesting learning stuff there um the old rope-a-dope though little little rope-a-dope little he did oh yeah he got me back yeah yeah I was, do you remember that's what you did to me uh i don't know corbs yeah. they're all blur yeah <laughs> yeah well, like I was said, I was going to cut you or something. Well, you kind of did like, you know, we had to make some hard, like after, you know, practice player for you in grade 11. Like I had a really, really bad tryout. And I'm like, I walk in already feeling pretty bad about myself. So you're like, you know, I got to make some hard decisions. Not everyone can get a jersey. I'm like, oh my God, I was a practice player for this guy. <laughs> and now I'm going to get cut. And it's like, well, yeah, so you're on the, you got a jersey and stuff like that. And I was like, uh, oh my God. He, he, he probably doesn't remember, but he did tell me that story about you. And we just had a chuckle because it was just like, you know, paying it forward. Yeah. It was, it's good. It's, it's, you'll understand it more as you, you know, the more you coach, the more you get into it. Those, those, those little moments, they're kind of funny. They're not funny to you at the time, oh. but they're kind of funny in the coach's circles <laughs> later on. This is, I was like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> this has been awesome. Thank you for your time. I just want to touch on one more thing and then we'll do the lightning round with you. And then I know you got to get on your way. But um, one thing that we, you know, talked about, talked to a lot of coaches either on this show or just in general and how we sort of don't take time to reflect on like the good moments. We just beat ourselves up about Absolutely. about the bad losses and the things that we could have done differently, right? And so as a coach and a player, right, you've, you have you got to two national finals, your first year coaching at Lang, you get to a national final. And I know, you know, one of the things that I've always carried and feel like just selfishly within our team special about is that we got you your first national championship. Right. And that, that's something that's always like, it wasn't like, I feel more happy about that than myself personally winning it. If I'm being totally honest, right. Like I remember, you know, the game hadn't even ended yet. And I was already like bear hugging the crap out of you. Right. Cause I just was like, know that what that felt like for you. And so like, what was the 98 year? Like, like for me, that was, you know, had a lot of special years in basketball. That U19 year with you was great. Um, my time at Langara, you know, Brandon, we make the national final. But that 97, 98 year for me was just like, that was just the most fun I think I've ever had in basketball. Like just nothing felt tough. Like enjoyed the challenges, the competition, enjoyed you challenging us. Um, what was that season like? You know, just selfishly from what you remember coaching us and and, and how that was to finally get over the hump and, and win a national championship. You know, I mean, there's a reason why I brought the the photo album in today. Yeah, all those all the memories, like you say, you can dwell on the negatives, and but you know, to keep moving forward, you you everyone in life in every aspect needs to focus on the positives. You know, otherwise you can go into the, into the cellar into you know the mental health issues nowadays. You dwell on the negatives; it spirals down faster than than moving up. And uh, you know, so every once in a while, I pull that album out and go through. You know, I still remember at the end of the year the athletic banquet, and um, you know, you you 
presented me. You were one of the guys presenting me the the, the trophy, mm-hmm. or not the trophy, the uh, uh, a framed jersey with yeah. all the guys' autographs on it. Yeah. Um, and then the speech that you did. Yeah. We still have that speech, and and uh, though you can't, a lot of times those championship teams always seem to be a little bit tighter because mm-hmm. you achieve the ultimate together, mm-hmm. and they're so hard to obtain. <laughs> and you know you need everything to fall into place from your opponents to guys having good games and you know you were you were stellar in the final i think you ended up with 25 nine rebounds and six assists and five steals something crazy like that 37 12 rebounds randy had 38 75 okay, our, 96. Our, our, mem- our memories are a little bit different, but I... Corb sends me all the links and st- articles and stuff. He, like, dig- goes digging in you the vaults. You 37? In the final, yeah. I was trying to... I, I was pulling up the stats this morning. And I, yeah. I, I just, I, Randy I had 38. I, I think I had 37. You had 37. Yeah. yeah. Career high? I don't know. I think it was the thing I loved about you was awesome. I told Corbs is, like, you know, I'd have 17 at the half or 15 at the half. He'd come over and we'd, you know... Like let's let's be honest. There was a run those two years. Like I thought our team was special, and I'm no my ego is no. The next year that team you had ninety eight ninety nine. Like that was extra loaded. Like some of the scores you look back, it's like whoa. Like we drubbed some teams. And you'd be like, okay, Mitch, before you go to layup line. So you got twelve, and uh, you know I want to I want you to get to twenty here. So let's make that happen real quick, and then we'll get you iced up, right? And then you know get. In a quick eight, we'd get out and transition and score a few, and then I'd rest and watch a quarter and a half. I just loved it. Like you're such a player's coach, like not in a bad way, but you you were thinking bigger. You were like, I want our better players to be recognized and our program to be recognized. Like I never really thought about it at the time, but like you were thinking from a program standpoint because you knew we would be gone soon and you'd have to keep that program going and that, you know, Hey, we've had this many all-stars. We had this many all Canadians, you know, and, and you were thinking in a different perspective than I think I even really knew you weren't just coaching us. You were coaching a whole entire program, which is, is cool. We're getting a little bit off track, but it's one of the things I always appreciated about you as from a player coach standpoint is you always, you know, and you don't have to be a good coach because you played. That's not always how it goes. But I think you took your ability from being a player and the people that you were around and were coached by and used your skills socially to form a good culture, you know, and it was a good culture. And that year was just great. Like, we spanked a lot of teams. Like, we beat U of C. Like, you know, we would scrimmage UBC and didn't do too poorly and we played SFU in a scrimmage and Scott Clark is yelling at the refs because I'm pump faking Rammer and he's saying we're taking the athleticism out of the game and I'm like <laughs> Rammer fouled out of a scrimmage yeah. guarding you <laughs> yeah. and we're, I'm like well it's working we're under their skin you know but I just you look back at the guys that we had on those teams and yeah. you know to play with like a Randy Knorr and Max and just all those guys just like what a special year and just um yeah, how did it feel to finally get over the hump? And did you did you look at yourself different after, or was it just like, I don't know? Because I think a lot of coaches obsess about that end final win, right? And and like I tell tell our kids and you know, the blue, blue banner that we have here, like that doesn't identify us. Like we're trying to make you better people, and you know, from the high school level, it's obviously obviously different than post secondary because it's your job and you're getting paid. But um, I, you know, it's journey over destination. I think. Yeah, it, it it's funny that we, you know, had gone to the national championships. Uh, like I said, seven of the nine times at Langara, and that '97 
team when we won in in Brandon, the uh, Canada Games beating Dave Smart and the mm-hmm. Ontario team in the final. Um, you know, someone came from the stands and they said, oh, finally the monkey's off your back. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, the monkey's off the back. He goes, oh, you finally won a championship because we had come yeah. second twice. We'd come third already twice. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm sitting there going, it's, you know, it's, a, it's the body of work and we won the championships to get to there. And people don't, don't have any idea. And then getting right into that year, you look back at the talented that, that oh. those teams we were we were talented. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys. It was Dunk McCallum was the first one to to instill in me that players win games and coaches lose games, and mm-hmm. you're not a true coach till you really accept that and understand that and work <laughs> with it. And at times you want to sit there and you want to you want to fight that. You want to fight that. But as you just said, uh, um, you know, we won it for you. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that that was the the players that get. You know, it didn't matter what I did. How you had the special game. Um, you know, the the the, the stats. Our stats and irrelevant is how you performed. And I remember just seeing the strut in you. Mm. You came down, you busted a pull-up, and then just the strut that you had going back. And I just said, that is so fulfilling to see someone having that much confidence, having fun. Mm. Like, here we are in a national championship game, and you're having fun because things are successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we were down in those games against yeah. Dawson. We were down. Yeah. And the last four minutes turned it from being down 10 to up 10. Yeah. Uh, like, ridiculous. Just went man and we just switched everything. I never forget that. Just like, I always never understood we had to do one-on-one on the wing and you had to stop three guys or we'd do shell every freaking day. And then like, you couldn't get backdoored if you yelled deny or help, help, help or whatever. And next thing you know, we're in a timeout. You're like, hey, we're going man and we're going to switch everything. And we turned it over so many times and it was just like, it was yeah. Layup, layup drill and it yeah. was, uh, but to see how special that was, and you know, and, and I still remember, you know, getting hugged by you, and and you know, the team's going crazy, and I remember, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny. Yeah, we're in Grant McCune. I remember walking. We did our team thing, and we were the last ones out of the gym. And I remember I was the last one out of the building. Looked down and said, "We came, we conquered." Yeah. Boom, and then we went. Yeah. And then that's the last I saw you guys for about twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. I think we came to your room to say we'll see you later. But yeah, and then good job or whatever. Yeah. I didn't think it was cool too because the year before was a huge year for Langara, right? Your wife's the athletic director, which is so cool. We host the nationals, right? And then, you know, we just we get upset in the first round and I remember it was against Grant McCune and then we got to play them first round the next year and I was like, It's freaking go time, you know, like yeah. let's go and and you know, to bring in guys like Randy and Max who I grew up playing Playing, you know summer games with right and it's mm. just basketball so cyclical and it's such a cool sport right and just the, the the chemistry the chemistry we had of those teams phenomenal you know and just the 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 the, the banter the inside stories from breaking curfew into hawaii to how you yes to like i said things you should know things i don't want to know <laughs> But that was cool because, you know, selfishly as a coach, yeah, you're like, I'm going to Hawaii too. But you know from your playing experience how fun those moments were. So to for you to create those for us as well. And then we got to go to San Diego too and just so fun and such many so like great things. And I'm glad the guys are still pressuring you to, to make them happen because I know it's a lot of work. Personally, we've been to, you know, we've had the program go to Maui three times and I know how much work. And like you talk about liability and, the, you know, the things that, the risk that you're taking just by allowing them to have that experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the roles that we had, you think about the roles that each player had, what people brought, something the guys that didn't get many minutes to the assistant coaches to, um, Sean Beasley driving from wherever for every day, just to coach us, like running them for what running a mill and coming in to coach, Uh, you know, just, just the, the, the phenomenal, but always remember that someone's got to get 
someone's got to get lunch when you're doing fundraising events. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, one last story, and then Corbs, if you have a question for Kevin, then we'll uh, we'll fire away at him. But I'll, another thing I'll never remember is one of my favorite stories. We go to the we go to Calgary, we played like. Sate. We were in the Sate tournament, I think, that 96-7 year. Mike Davis is my roommate. Mike Davis, shout out. Richmond High, great guy, hilarious. The well, McDonald, McDonald brothers were supposed to come. There's, they're, we were going to save some money because their stepdad had a connection or something for a flight, but they didn't get it and they didn't show. So we were jacked because we didn't have to share a room with Mike. We got our own bed or whatever, right? So it's like 10, 30, 11. This was my, I was ineligible, so this was like my first games back. So I was like, I'm not going to sleep tonight because I'm, you know, I played my year at cap and had to sit and watch our team the whole first semester. And it was great, but it was also hard and I was ready to go. Mike was a rookie and he was just jacked to be on the road. And so he goes downstairs. He's like, I can't sleep. I'm going to go get some chips from the vending machine. And he runs into bees and Clarky and Kevin in the, in the lobby and no words are spoken. Like it's just eye contact. And he comes back in and he is just white as a ghost. And he's just like, I'm like, you Okay. So I just ran into the coaches in the lobby. I'm like, okay, what would you say? He's like, nothing. What'd they say? Nothing, but they didn't look very happy. I was like, why? Well, we're supposed to be in our rooms. Like, you know, it's 10, curfew. Well, what do, what do well, I do? Hang on a sec. Uh, curfew was not at 10 o'clock. What? You said Nine? curfew was at 10. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, it was game day. Well, it was game day. No, it was game day. We had a game the next day. Yeah, still. But we should have been in our rooms. Well, that's why we were in the lobby is we were doing, we were doing the check. We're not going to knock on... Not, not can knock on the doors, but we were doing our due diligence as coaches. Now, years later, I can admit yeah. to Mitch that we, our, our jackets were under the table, and so we were actually on our way out. But we just wanted to make sure the guys <laughs> yeah. were safe before we went out. So what happens? They go back to their room, and our f- half an hour goes by, and the phone rings. Ring, ring. Davis is like, oh, God. So I pick it up, and it's Sean Beasley, the assistant coach. Awesome guy. He's like, hello, Mitch. Yeah, what's up? He's like, let me talk to Mike. I'm like, man, he's actually, they're actually in trouble, right? So I hand him the phone, and Mike's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, won't happen again. Okay, and I was like, oh, my God, he's getting torn. Like, hangs up, and he's just like, I mean, he's already a ginger, so he's he's light to begin with, and then he, now he's like ghosts. I went, well, they said, you know, you know, it's Mitch's first game back. What are you doing? He needs his rest. Like, what, you're disrupting the team and blah, 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 and like just made him all. Oh. And I think they called two minutes later and just were dying laughing like a bunch of friggin' children. But those were the moments. So when you wonder kind of where the way I am, that was. Coaching, coaching humor is a different world. It sure it's is. a different world. Yeah. We appreciate your time, buddy. Corbs, do you have any questions for Kev before we uh, find out his musical taste? Yeah. So, I mean, so. You started coaching at Lang in 91, and now, what's it, 29 years later, you're at UBC, and you've obviously evolved as a coach, and now with, you know, the game has evolved a lot, and you have social media now, and, you know, kids have changed, so how has, you know, have the things that you're looking for when you're recruiting, when you're looking at a kid and see if they're a good fit for the program, have they changed as well, have they evolved as well, or have they stayed, you know, relatively the same in terms of how much for the pendulum in terms of talent versus character or Corbs people have changed kids have changed parents have changed referees haven't changed (laughs) (laughs) Um, coaching changed you know like there's so so much has changed in this world that it's uh, uh, you know you you, you try to find the character I mean I I call our guys now on the phone 
and it's awkward. You know, you FaceTime them. It's it's tough for them to have actual speaking conversations with adults with the coaches because it's all text. It's all at times. You know, people can argue all they want. The kids are still kids. Uh, well, no, they're still they're still turn one, two, three, four, and all the way up. But it's uh, you know, ultimately at my at at our level, you're paid to to win games, and so you've got to be able to get the uh, talented kids. So now you look at it from. I mean, and Vancouver's an expensive city to live. You got to get academically, UBC's hard to get into school. You're trying to put as a coach, you're trying to get the best talented players that you can, get them into school, keep them in school, um, you know, in an affordable situation where there are restrictions due to U sport rules. Um, to, to, you know, it's, it's my, I tell people, my day is dependent on how 18 to 25 year olds behave in a given day. And not every day is that a smooth journey. Um, from their, from their lives. And from now, even the social media stuff, you know, what they do, it's not just the two hours of practice time. It is now, it, it is those other 22 hours that can make or break a team too, and can make or break an individual and, and, you know, on social media, liking something to having a conversation, um, just where you were seeing a stranger, you don't even know, takes a picture of you doing something somewhere, wrong place, wrong time. And, and you can't hide anymore. The world is about cameras. Uh, but you know, if you're asking what what kind of player I'm looking for, you know, I'm, I'm looking for. Or, has it, or, or how has that changed? You know, since it, it it's changed a lot. You know, I mean, everyone thinks that their their athletes can play at university level, and I, and I say if you are a dedicated student athlete, um, you can play in Canada. There's a place that you can play. Now it may be at the at the college level. It may be it may take you a couple of years to get to there. Maybe it's U Sport. Uh, and, and it may not be in the city that you want to go to. It may not be having the record that you want to get to. But um, there are places if you are dedicated enough. And, you know, I, I tell people, I might, might still preach, you know, dream big, dream large, and then make it happen. Chase your dream. It is about the journey, as corny as that sounds, of the process, looking at the full body of work. There's so many aspects and there's so many um, different ways to make teams other than being just the top scorer, the flashiest player, you know, being a good person, being into there. So, Trying to look at the whole package, trying to find that, you know, the diamond in the rough, trying to find the stud that can come in and impact right now. We're seeing huge changes. You know, even even U-Sport has changed the rules about you go down to the States, you, you one time you can come back and not sit out eligibility-wise. You look at the top teams or the teams that are making nationals on a, on a, on a regular basis, it's the, the transfers now, it's older guys. I mean, the, the average age would be way up there due to some geography within Canada West and in parts of Canada. Uh, some people have a philosophy. You, you try to bring in, you know, five key guys and you grow with them for five years to try to make a team out of them. Well, some adhere, some don't nowadays. Can you last those five years? And what happens after that? So ultimately, you'd want to recruit three guys every year. So you carry 15 players and, you know, three graduate, next three come up and you, it, the world doesn't work that way. And, uh, Lots of transfers. I still wish uh, the, the the college system. I still tell people that's a great place to go, and because uh, my fond memories of it. And uh, there's different ways to go about. You know, you guys are talking about people's journeys. There's different ways to get to the end. Uh, sometimes it works out in a great way. Sometimes there's a little challenges. Some people overachieve to get to there. But as as we as the the saying goes in the basketball world, sporting world, think. Begin thinking about the end. So where do you want to get to? Do you want to be a youth sport athlete? Do you want to be in the Olympics? And then your journey to get to there, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have trials and tribulations. But if you still remember what that end result is, go after it and chase it. It's all you can do. Set your goals high. 
Did you ever dream that you'd be the all-time winningest coach in Canada West? Did you ever think that was going <laughs> to? Craziness. You know, yeah. it's, it's craziness, let alone having the opportunity to be at one school for, you know, I just finished my 20th season at UBC uh, at, at the place where I played myself. You know, I've got a couple of degrees from there. It seems like home. Uh, yeah. You know, Jess played there. Jess grew up playing basketball, being our ball girl there. Yeah. And, uh you know, so many memories. I'm going to be sad when War Memorial, if, you know, once it gets torn down and something new gets put up there, yeah. if that happens in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a, it, it's, a uh, it, it's, you know, I, and Don Horwood, Don Horwood had the record and he actually reached out to me and I coached against Don in the early years. And I remember I had uh, Brad Barakoff who played me for Langara. Brad, Brad went to uh, uh, U of A. Yeah. And I remember playing and Ben, they beat us by five the one night. And I remember Horwood was screaming in their locker room and everything. My first year, and I said, "Oh, Brad, what did he say?" He goes, "He said, oh, that's that's UBC. How can you how can you guys play that bad? And how can they be so close to like total shot against us? Mm. Straight motivation for me, and and we had a lot of good results against them in the next few years. But for, for him to reach out, I thought was very classy. It's awesome. You, you got to go through lots of ups and downs, and and winning in this conference, you know, getting out now is seventeen teams. Getting out of this conference is tough enough, and playing in the cities you play in." Um, but there's been some great, great coaches, and you know, and it's uh, it's a it's a marker certainly that uh, I'm, I'm very proud of, and, and the players are the ones that have got those wins. So yeah. grateful to the guys that have played with us and stuck with us through the years. Yeah, that's a great answer. The um, just to wrap that up too, that I don't think people realize how hard a home at home is too. Like I, that year, Brandon, like, and, and we were good, right? I mean, we made the national final, but to like beat a team two nights in a row is like. Nothing. It, it, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Nothing good comes out of playing the same team back to back nights. Oh, and like crazy. you said, there, there's always one close score and there's, yeah. then there's a, a blowout and it can be either way. Yeah. And you look down the scores after a, a week of Canada West basketball weekend, you know, and people get surprised. You go, you don't understand. Oh. There's still 18 to 25 year olds. There's still stuff happens. You know, the, the game plan works one night. And when you, when you lose by a little bit, there's so much more incentive. This, the Elam rules that were played in the CEBL for anybody yeah. that followed that, where there's a, a target score, mm-hmm. well, the team that's just down, say you're down two or four or five, there's way more, way more excitement to, to, to be that underdog to come in and win as opposed to get those first nine and yeah. the strategy. I, got, I actually really like that. Yeah. It's neat, but yeah. changing. That, that's, that's for uh, podcast number uh, 315. There we go. Right on. Okay, are you ready? I've, uh, I, I, I've spent a lot of time with you. I've seen you, you know, sing a lot of Johnny Cash. Um, Burning Ring of Fire, baby. That's a got, go-to. Uh, on, on your way in, I don't know. Do you, I, you, might, you probably still just listen to friggin' Rock 101 or 99.3, but who, who... You say that like that's a problem or a concern. Well, just well, I was going to ask you what musical platform you listen to, but you might not even... I mean, maybe Jess bought you family Spotify and you have Spotify, but what are the top... I know one group for sure, but what are the top, you know, three or four or five groups that you're listening to? Wow. Yeah. Well, it, it's still funny, and even to this day, Jess's uh, warm-up when I drive her to LFA. Oh, Yeah. ACDC, yes, coming in and rocking hard, getting it going. That was my high school when we had the the portable stereos. Yes. Uh, that would be rocking it. And today, just some of that music that's lasted generations is, is you know, some people don't understand it, but um, <laughs> some some of that is is unbelievable. And then uh, she sells Sanctuary by the Cult was uh, that's another one that just gets me primed up, ready to go. And uh, coach, I'll coach against anybody when that thing 
Jason comes on. Like, let's get after it. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, you know, back in the day, the old ones, yeah, I, I still in my vegetation states, uh, when I get into the super tramp mode, you know, the yeah. super tramp was a golden oldie out of yeah. there. Um, Jess has actually gotten me into some country stuff that, you know, the stories in the country are really good. Like there, Oof. there's some real good stories there. I'm not saying I, I would dance world. it. I'm not saying I would do a belly roll to it or anything, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, 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 that kind of stuff, you know, the one I'm uh, really like right now actually has been Mumford and Sons. I've liked them for the last, uh, last few years. I do like, it's not, it's not your genre. It's not your, re- no, listeners, no, it's your genre. World. that's why I asked. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I try to be a more of a player's coach and I'm trying to let uh, the guys have their music. Mm, uh, we just right. had, we just had a talk about it. Taylor Brown was in and, um, you know, when we were shooting last week actually, and, and, you know, this is going slower than what you wanted uh, these answers to be, but, um, you know, the music's on there and the words are coming out and it's not words that are, that are conducive to, uh, yep. uh, what I want in our, in our building. And so I said, like, we have to compromise, you know, you want to listen to your, your hip hop, your, your more modern hip hop stuff. We're listening to some golden, some of the earlier stuff, which was really good. Yeah. And, uh, empty and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, it was good. You know, I, I, I like the occasion. I, I like reggae. Actually, I like a lot of reggae, but... Uh, Especially they, the summer. They had some nice. music going on, mm-hmm. and, and I just said, we've got to come up with, uh, you know, the clean versions. I said, mm-hmm. it, it takes... I, I don't think it's conducive. You want, There's words on there that, that aren't... Uh, you know, we've talked about, mm-hmm. um, you know, Black Lives Matters. We've talked mm-hmm. about it as a team. We've talked about the concerns, what we want to do. You know, I said, people walking outside the door, they hear mm-hmm. that. That's not conducive. Not, nowadays... Uh, it's not appropriate. And he, he finally, I, I said, you're here. Like, are you comfortable with that music going on? Are you comfortable with the words that they're saying? He goes, yeah, I've been thinking about that. And I go, well, if we want to be proactive and we want to be, uh, in my opinion, good people mm-hmm. and good citizens at a university and, a, and our basketball team, I said, play the clean version. I've got no problem yep. with the rhythm, with the beat, mm-hmm. but the words can be damaging. And I said, we got to clean that up. So no problem. You guys can play your music, but I think that's fair. And I said, I want it to be you guys. You come up with a playlist. So they're coming up with uh, with the clean versions, and I said, "Good, nice." Why do you have to turn like a really just laid back question into a life lesson? Well, I looked in your gym, and I know some of the music that's played in here early mornings and <laughs> pre games. <laughs> I'd have to come in here and have to turn it off myself. <laughs> wow, who in your mind is the greatest basketball player of all time? Jordan, hands down. Period. Not close. Goat. Okay. Um, as a coach, who and player, who maybe who's the greatest player you played against, or some of, and coached against, or coached yourself? Just a few names that come to mind. No disrespect. I know it's hard to put okay. people on the spot, so you're not Aaron overlooking. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know what? Lo- lo- loaded question. You know, and some some yeah. of those FISU teams that I've coached, there'd be names that people uh, that don't quite understand. By Del Messiah, who's running a, a club out of. Uh, he was king of the court back in Ontario. They'd have this one-on-one championship and cage match. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he was he was just he was another level kind of guy. Um, you know, some some of those guys that were playing on the on the national team back in the day were really good. Uh, Wayne Yearwood, he, he was a guy that that you know ended up with the national program, and we played against him and at Dawson. Mm-hmm. He went on to play years and years of professional basketball. I mean, J.D. Jackson, leading scorer still in UBC. Yeah. He was a special player. I mean, picture just came out again with him guarding Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, right? you saw that on Facebook. And and J.D. was a was a was a real special player. Um, yeah, I mean, and we played against the Oklahomans. We played against the yeah. 
the Griffith brothers. Like Griffin. They're, uh, yeah. Yeah. Kansas one year Kansas with uh, Jacques Vaughn and, uh, I, I, uh, yeah. Who else would have been on that team? It was, uh, no, it was Macklemore, Wayne Simeon. They were number one preseason. We have a picture of Wayne Simeon standing yeah. beside Pete yeah. Wathy. And he's just... And yeah. it, it just man-child. It, and Pete like, Wathy was no small human being. Like No. Yeah. And made him... Look, yeah. <laughs> like, that was Shaq and homie. Yeah, it was... Yeah. It was <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I think, dude, you know, depending on... Shaq and Thornhill, perhaps, but... Woo, Thornhill! Yes! Um... <laughs> I'm still not convinced that he's not Bartman. From the, <laughs> like, he ruined the Chicago Cubs, man. He tried to ruin them. I'm, I'm, he still hasn't admitted to me that that was him. But, um, but, but yeah, you've been around the game long enough. I mean, you've coached Casey Archibald, Kyle Russell. you got Jordy McTavish, Aaron Olsen. Like, these guys could hoop, right? Like, so it's depending on where they are. Those guys were go, go, go 19 th- to 21. But Go through the list of the Randy yeah. Nords and Navi Seacons, Brian yeah. Scales. You know, some of the guys from Richmond just dropping dropping names. Novi, Novi, uh, Novell, like, yeah. um, Barnaby. I mean... <laughs> Those guys, I played those two, those two guys played together, and I remember playing them 40 minutes at Malaspina. They were yeah. frothing. Yeah. We couldn't get them enough water, and that just their heart and soul and how hard they played. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I don't like saying no, my I top know. four or five that yeah. played for me. Yeah. Because there are so many special, uh, you know, the special relationships and, and the talented kids and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the personalities also play a factor in who I think. It's like an all star. I for really sure. like the, the complete package people, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I've been fortunate. Um, some of those FISU teams that I've coached, I said, are like those guys are are, are another level, yeah, and are all playing professional basketball. And, uh, it's almost get out of the way as a coach, eh, and just let them do their thing. Sometimes yeah. the, the higher you go, the more you manage, the less you coach. Mm-hmm. You know, ma- managing mm-hmm. is coaching, all that stuff. Yeah, but you're really managing, and it, it, it's fun when you get when you get to the stage that level. You know, you're not working on fundamentals. Yeah, they're getting their shots up. It's not fundamentals. This is yeah. the tactics and strategy stuff, and. That's yeah. what I really love about the game is the game within the game and trying to outthink what you're going to do. Yeah. But when you've got players that are just, that, they hit that creative stage. And that's why I like Jordan. Mm-hmm. He would do stuff and he couldn't understand or explain why he did it. He just did it. Yeah. And when you get to that creative ability as an athlete, yeah. you've, you've, you've mastered it. And, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been loved, loved, uh, I've loved the journey. Cool. Awesome. Um, I know you have a lunch meeting today, but say you're hungry on the way out of here, you stop at Sev. What's the greatest bag of chips that you could get? You got five bucks to get a bag of chips. What are you getting? Dip is allowed. Well, my latest go-to, I've changed in phases it's, of my life. Lots of people have said this. Doritos of, was the first one. I kind of go, go with Ripple with, with uh, onion dip right now. Yeah. That's uh, dip. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also right now, depending on my mood, cheesies. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, you can't get enough of those. And the marketing now, Sean, they make little bags. Sean Shook, Hawkins Cheesies. And since him saying that, many people have mentioned that their cheesies are their go-to. Yeah. Che- cheesy, yeah. Cheesies are special. You like the Hawkins ones or just like the Cheetos or just Cheetos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Shooky Hawkins, right? Yeah. I can't lie. I can't lie. We were visiting my dad this weekend and we went to the store and I... Eli, I was like, let's get some chips. And he was like, <laughs> and he, yeah, we picked cheesies and I was not upset about it. I was not upset at all. There, yeah. there was a face salt and vinegar were the way to go. Mm. Yeah, that yep. was a, that's always spicy, you know, yeah. enough to get you Tangy. going. And, yeah. you know, and JY was a salt vinegar get, guy. Get, made. You, get you more yeah. thirsty. Mandy's yeah. vinegar. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No. no, no. no. Mega. 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 But to, to be honest, going to 7-Eleven, yeah, I'm not leaving without a Kit Kat. Yeah. Yeah. Not O'Henry anymore? I changed. Time's changed. Wow. Hey. 
Growth mindset, man. Growth mindset. Less calories than Henry. <laughs> <laughs> and you've already talked about ketchup on macaroni. It's not not an option for you. No, no, no. go and mac, mac and cheese. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, hands yeah. down. Yeah. But uh, no, that's cardinal sin. Do not put ketchup on it. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Zibby. Two serious questions to end, and then we'll be done. And thank you so much. Um, who and everyone struggles with just picking one again, but who have been the most important people in your life up to this point? The original question was like, who was the most important person in your life? But no one's been able to narrow it down to one person because I, I don't, just don't think that's fair. So I've learned so much about my own life through Jess. Hmm. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that or are you going to get emotional? I was going to get emotional so okay. I give myself a breather on that. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. just having the ability to coach her mm-hmm. because she's, she, she's uh, you know, a, a part of me. Mm-hmm. I've had the chance to see her for 21 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sharing with the passion of, of mm-hmm. what I do for a living, having her in the gym, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's all kinds of influential people from, of course, you know, obviously my mom and my dad who both passed on to the coaches I've had to the friendships I've had lifelong with people, but, uh, to your wife, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No. yeah. <clears throat> thanks for the helper. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if, 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 you know, and to be quite honest, you know, if there's one person that, that if I was on an Island and someone said, want to hang out with it, it would probably would be Jess. That's awesome. Love that. That's cool. Great answer. Love that. And you probably, you know, like just as a dad, like... She must have had some great babysitters uh, growing up. and represent, We didn't represent. even get a chance. Sorry, we're on a yeah. serious mode right now. And uh, <laughs> uh, But, I mean, next time, if there is a next time, if I get invited back, we can talk about the ants in your cast. Uh, the weekend that you you and uh, your friend at the time were, were uh, babysitting Jess yeah. and... and uh, Anyways, yeah. sorry. Next question. Yeah. Sorry to get you off track there. So 250 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, last question. If you could do it all again, you would. 100%. Sort of a trick answer to that, but mm. would I do this again? Would I do this life again? Mm. Absolutely. Mm. If you're looking for one answer, it's not one thing. I mean, uh, uh, for anything, I'm just wondering what you thought you think about that question. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a vast question, but I, you know I, I I wouldn't change a thing. Basketball was my calling; it's what it is. Um, if I had the chance to do everything again, I would continue in the marathon running crew that I got, and I wouldn't look the way I do right now. <laughs> that might be a positive in the right direction. I am not laughing right now, Corbin. You, you did smirk a bit. You looked at me and smirked. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, no, you know, in, in all seriousness, the, uh, I, I have, uh, I have, uh, I've enjoyed this, you know, you, you show, you talk about the journey. I have Cheris's journey. Um, I have door, people have opened doors for me. You know, you, you, you try to be a good person. You try to have relationships, positive relationships with all the players. You can't please everybody in life. Um, there are some challenges. There's always been challenges. And when you, when you, you know, or at a, at a university coaching basketball, you're going to have some haters. You, 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 you know, in any aspect of life, you're going to have your circle of friends. You, you know who your friends are. And when times like this and COVID kicks in, people checking in on you, you know, the world has changed. The world is a different place. And will we ever be normal again? What is normal? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not sure. But this journey that I've been on, I've absolutely loved it. I hope it continues on for many, many more years. I think it's the calling that I was put on this planet to 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 take and uh, the people that have helped me get here, I'm very grateful for everybody that's played a role in making me who I am, stemming from the parents and, and the the people that have uh, 
been part of my journey. I'm very blessed for where I am. Awesome. Great answer. Corbs, anything else? Great. Before we let you go, any last shout outs or is there someone that you didn't mention that you could think of or any last reflections? Um, we do appreciate your time. You know, obviously we have a great relationship and like you mentioned, you know, we don't get to see each other as much as we can, but now I'm on the flip side. You have big Jess and I have a little guy and life's busy, but you know, you're a huge mentor to me and someone who's changed my life in many different ways and made me think differently, um, made me grow up, maybe become more accountable for myself. And you made me a better basketball player. And you know, I was able to get a tattoo because of you too, right? And then and having the trust that I would be someone that would be have the honor to wear the Falcon jersey and play for your program. So, you know, I hold you in a high regard and always will and appreciate everything that you've done for me as as a not even as a player, but as a person. So if you have any last reflections before you go. You know, I, I just want to thank both of you for taking the time to have me on the show. I, 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 I do really appreciate it. Um, you know, and, and when I get the opportunity to do things and stay in the life of, of players uh, that have been in my and not that you played for me for five years, but and not just the championship we won together, but the the the, the highs and the lows, and um, you know, I I think life is about relationships. I don't want to be locked away and have no friends and and, and live in a cupboard uh, to my dying days. I certainly enjoy this. I'm very proud of what you've accomplished here at St. Thomas More, and you're right with your family, and mm-hmm. um, you know, very very special people to me, and and you know, you you when you're an educator and coaching is education and teaching and it's, it's all the same. Um, you know, we're trying to help other people and sometimes people misunderstand us. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't have, maybe, maybe, maybe we clash with certain people, but I, I cherish friendships. I cherish relationships. A lot of people, when you're head with a head coach, sometimes, um, you know, it, 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 it takes, you know, the saying goes, it takes a village to bring up a child. And it certainly is that in the coaching world with the number of people that are in an entourage with the basketball team, uh, with the program. And, you know, I'm reaching out to having alumni right now, rewrite their stories for us, the profiles that are going out to, to, a, a, a email blast. And there's, uh, at, at, at UBC and, you know, it'd be a great idea to do it Langara as well, just mm-hmm. to catch up with people where they are and it's life since their time with our program. But, um, I mean, we live in a great city. We leave it, you know, we, we, I'm, I'm at a great institution. Uh, with a great group of, of guys that love the coaching staff. And uh, uh, my journey, as I mentioned, my journey has been a great one, and I'm, I'm still enjoying the ride. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better, buddy. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, great episode. So many takeaways. I know it's going to be a long one, but I think like there's just so many different between the great stories and the life lessons and the, and the growing and all that, like there's so many great things for people to listen to. And that's kind of why this adventure has been fun because selfishly Corbin and I get to learn as well. You know, I've known you a long time, but just sitting here and, you know, listening to you and still like taking mental notes myself. Right. And it's a growth project for us too. I I think it's fabulous that you guys have started this, you know, to be, it's, a lot of people find it hard to talk about themselves. Some people don't find it hard at all to talk about themselves. But, uh, you know, there are so many, so many good stories out there about so many good people and similarities of how people got into their, into coaching, into the education. And you either are an educator or you're not. I mean, I've talked to my guys that are entrepreneurs and, you know, they said, you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. So don't try to be And you know, if you're an educator, be an educator. And, and it, it, it's there's a lot of special people, but you guys uh, sharing these stories, sharing the journeys, I think has had a big, big, huge impact. And just think of the lives, hopefully, that we can touch and, and keep producing great people from the sport of basketball. 
For sure. That's a great way to end it. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you, guys. Shout out to Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing, our sponsors. Um, amazing episode. For those that aren't aware, episode number 20. Uh, just in case we didn't make that clear enough. And uh, <laughs> keep that burning ring of fire. We'll see you on our next episode. Be well. <laughs>